Hello, everyone. Welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It was grandiose for a moment. Welcome! Welcome! Oh, I should be playing like light piano music, like this is Masterpiece Theater. Like, podcast where your two hosts can't stop going on tangents about men slamming each other for a fake sport or talking about things they removed from the 90s or just making fart jokes it's the world's classiest experience that you will ever have <laughs> Masterpiece Manga Theater should be just a series. I think we're just going to do that. It's where we, yeah. it's where we put on fake British accents, uh, mm. and we just talk about the dumbest manga chapters as though it's a piece of high culture. I'm like, so what oh, you're saying man. is they have a cat fight at a beach resort in bikinis, mm. which of course symbolizes their vulnerability and their chest size. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it, it, reading this chapter made me experience a great amount of, look, it gave me a boner. Okay? <laughs> I was going to uh, say, okay. I experienced an epiphany in the form of blood rushing to my genitals and making them erect. <laughs> <laughs> it was a marvelous oh. epiphany. <laughs> <laughs> It just won't stop talking about this. It was such a good epiphany. It was that epiphany. Oof. Oof. That's that was, the stuff, right? That was an all-natural epiphany. No drugs needed. All natural. Alright. So, <laughs> guys, it's February the 9th, 2022. It's the start of the month, which means that we get a big rotation of extra series that we only get, like, monthly chapters for and stuff. And uh, we've got we got so much stuff to talk about today. So, uh, yeah. So, Fukukai no Boku no Subete, or however the hell, what is it? What, what is the English uh, title? I love, forget. Love me for who I am. Love me for who I am, which is a much, much easier to say. I should have just gone with that. Uh, that's, we're going to leave that till next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that we don't have to rush through the discussion about it in order to talk about 15 chapters that came out this week. <laughs> And uh, a gamut, a real roller coaster of emotions, these chapters. There's um, a little bit for everybody, assuming one of you was like, I really want to have an existential crisis while I read manga this week. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't think it was going to handle uh, or have something for you, but Shonen Jump supplied itself yet again. Uh, we're going to have discussions about uh, what's going to happen when AI becomes a thing. Uh, uh-huh. And, you know whatever happened in Doron Dororon. Uh, so <laughs> what happened is everyone's saying we, we fucked up, Nick, we'll get to it, but how do we fuck up? People are saying, Oh, we'll talk get... about it. We'll, yeah, talk we'll, about we'll it. get to it. We'll get to it. All right. Let's talk about to begin with my hero academia. It is chapter number 342. The extreme quiet before the storm. It's, you know, it's like, it's a quiet before the store, but it's extreme. Extreme. Bow. Uh, I, I'm, I, I need to flip through this chapter because I know I read it. I cannot remember anything from it. And the only thought I can have when looking at the first page is I forgot 
the first time I read this chapter, I thought I was reading World Trigger again, just because the dude yeah. at the very bottom looks like an Ashihara character so badly. Also, there's robots rolling around carrying boxes and stuff, so yeah. well, it's a lot more sci-fi. Well, the sound. Got places, got places to, go. to go. Yeah, follow, follow. My rainbow. Yeah. Yep, we got it. It's what flies ahead. Only one way to find out is to turn the page. So, uh, it turns out that some of the many, many people that are in the evacuee residential area near UA High are actually spies working for all for one. Sounds about right. He has he has agents everywhere, Nick. Everywhere. Uh. And uh, essentially, uh, they're 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 surreptitiously exchanging some word that they've gotten from all for one saying, I like yeah. surreptitiously surreptitiously. Yeah, I like that. That was a nice word, Nick. Good, I don't good know. Word I, choice. I, I that's not a word I regularly use. I just pulled it out of the you back of my brain. You said it like so. you did, though. That's what's impressive. I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I've had to, you know, like think a lot about like, you know, Honestly, this is going to it's going to no matter what I say after that point, I was going to talk about like, maybe I don't know, maybe this is why I've expanded my vocabulary. But then I started saying, like, like you know, I was like, never mind. I'm just yeah, going to stop you, there. You've stopped being as eloquent as a, a, you were when I praised you. <laughs> so I think that I've defeated whatever compliment I could pay myself there. So <laughs> anyway, the ingenious plan that all for one has to uh, continue forward is, hey. Uh, make it so that Izuki Midoriya can't stay there anymore. Everyone's already, like, not really happy with him. Uh, so just fan the flames so that, you know, no one wants him to be there. And then someone was like, well, didn't they just want him to take a bath? I feel like they already did that. So no, 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 no. There, was, there was an actual plot that you guys, you know, just, like, keep on talking over. Anyway. We cut to 1A going into the dorms. They're tired from searching. Um, and Kaminari, I guess his method of searching is to get in fights because he looks like he's got bruises on his face. I, I don't know what happened to him. I don't know. Maybe he does want to just start fist fights. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ida tells everyone to go to bed on the double because he's a giant stick in the mud. Yeah. Uh, we uh, just cut. Uh, fuck. We just kind of like see everyone just like you know, exchanging like just casual dialogue. Mineo wants to quote unquote swap dirty stories. Okay, moving on from that. I don't even know what that would be like. Hey, so have you guys had sex? No. Is None of mean- them have had sex, Mineo. <laughs> but I, like, I don't like. I guess it's the way. An incel would describe wanting to hear about sex. Because I was like, if you wanted to talk about sex, why would you say like, hey, everybody, let's swap dirty stories. Like, uh, it's just creepy and a weird way to phrase it. I feel like the only dirty stories they would have are ones that they have heard secondhand anyway, is my point. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe it is just an incel mindset. And he's like, oh, surely, surely these guys are having sex because I'm not. And I'm really, you know, insecure about it. Because in my mind, I would just be like, dirty stories. Like, well, there was this one time I had to clean out this trash can that spilled everywhere. Remember when our friend Midoriya came home and he was all smelly? <laughs> he was so stinky. He stinked so bad. Guys, that, guys, I took a bath. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, but you're real stinky until you did. And I'm never yeah. going to forget that. 
Uh, Deku thinks about how Uraka did a nice, cool thing, getting on top of the roof in order to tell everyone to let him inside so he could take a bath. And he's like, oh, I haven't been able to thank her properly since then. And he starts to go and approach her, but then, bah, the door bursts open and All Might comes in. And he's like, I am here. Although he does undercut it by saying, just like every day, because, you know, this is a more regular thing now. Uh, Sukauchi and Nezu are with him. And uh, they're like, well, what is everyone doing here? And Yairozu says, does this concern the situation with Aoyama? And the very specific reason that I choose to point out her words is because in response to this, seemingly, Sukauchi holds up a single finger, which is given a glowy aura in the artwork. Mm-hmm. What? Why? <laughs> <laughs> it's just holding up a finger. It goes. Mm, it's like, Ooh. I, I guess. I guess that's like the idea of saying like, "You got it," or like, I don't know. It's it's just odd. It is all. All my it says, however, that this is actually about what comes next, and they're only going to inform select individuals for now. And he says, it's time to discuss our final plans for this second pivotal war. Uh, And then we just get like a collage of, you know, different heroes and stuff, just kind of planning and talking. But we don't actually get to hear what they say. Uh, We also see that Aizawa is visiting uh, Kuragiri. Uh, And uh, also Aoyama's in a cell. Yep. and Bakugo and Todoroki and Deku hear some things, I guess. And then it's the next day and everyone makes a big announcement because they say that Shigaraki is going to make a big move in four days. And so Class 1A is outside and they all address everyone basically inside of the shelter to say, we'd like to, to thank you all for everything. And Koda says, wait, you're leaving the school again? And he says, yeah, you've given me. I took a bath. I won't need to take another one for weeks. He says, you've given me more than enough downtime to clean myself up. See, it's all about the bath. Okay. (laughs) Uh, And uh, Snipe says that the safety of the people is what is the goal that they have in mind. Uh, But one of all for one's agents just like these fools. They could have made all for one's life so much harder by shutting their traps and keeping the way protected here. Uh, but now our mission is sure to succeed. Yay! I'm sure that that's all there is to it. You're a smart man, right? <laughs> we did it! <laughs> he starts high-fiving himself. <laughs> yes, we did nothing and succeeded. <laughs> we got them out of here. All for one's going to be so happy with us. Uh, then we get another little collage of uh, the different members of 1A, like just kind of like saying goodbye to their families and stuff. And also like um, Nezu is saying goodbye to to Nurse. And um, Shoji says goodbye to the <laughs> That's animal what I don't girl. Get. I don't like I was like, oh, it's like Deku saying goodbye to his mom. And then you can kind of see like Jiro, I think, saying goodbye to Maybe that's one of her parents. I'm not 100% so certain. That's her parents. Then, uh, her mom's kind of hidden by her hair, and her dad is the one with the long hair. And then you can see Bakugo, like, with his mom. So you're like, okay, it's a little bit of goodbye. And then yeah. I wasn't sure what nurse lady or whatever her name was. I was like, oh, guess to show that she's not going. She's she's a little too old. And I was like, all right, a little separation. I don't know why Soji, of all people, is the one being like, 
Goodbye, tall animal lady. The only thing that I can guess, and this is a wild guess, is maybe it's because the, the, I think that she's too old. So <laughs> let's not go there. So uh, the only guess I have is that it's because they're both like heteromorphs. They're both like mutant ish kind of uh, beings because Shoji's got the very obvious like tentacle arms and his face is hidden and stuff. So maybe he's the most alien looking out of them. Oh, yeah, he's awesome looking. But that's the only connection between them I can think of. I'm pretty sure that they have never met before this. So (laughs) which is me, which is why. Yes, now that you've said that. That's so much more fucked up. If that's the case, can you imagine a group of people and two black characters walked by each other? and were just like, we've never interacted but on on the ground basis of us being the only two black people here. Well, it would uh, for the keep in mind that like reason, a chapter I, I, ago, they also made a big point of like what Spinner's role in the war is going I, to be. No, so but the characters don't talk. <laughs> it's just they're just like, look, we're the only two of us here. <laughs> Gotta do something, right? Also, I guess that like uh. Coda could have been. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was like, "Isn't Coda supposed to be like the 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 animal voice guy?" Yeah. 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 Uh, Also, uh, very importantly, we see like some members of the crowd just kind of like looking on and in approval, including the star shirt guy who was wearing his star shirt. Yeah, star shirt dude. Uh, we cut to thirty kilometers from UA, where. The class 1A uh, has a makeshift fortress, which is called Troy, which um, kids pay attention in history because uh, you don't want a fortress called Troy. Things go very well in Troy, if I recall. No one ever got inside, right? (laughs) Um, So, yeah, they're going to, I guess, just operate out of here instead of directly within UA. Uh, and, uh, the teachers are saying like, Hey, everyone get, get, get in, get in place and stuff. Uh, and, uh, (laughs) Sarah very ominously says, maybe this is the last place we'll ever lay our heads. And it's like, Jesus Christ, dude, shut up. Like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. What, why would you say that? You have so few lines in your life and this is one of the few you put out there. (laughs) It's like, you know, if everyone's like doing like gimmick stuff. You know, like uh, Hagakure is like, you know, I can see that we're going to be victorious in this yeah. battle, guys. And then Sarah's like, we're all going to die. Tape. <laughs> it's a bit <laughs> <laughs> Our corpses will be very sticky. <laughs> From our viscera. <laughs> Tape. <laughs> Just keeps dropping that. Everyone's got to have a gimmick. <laughs> Uh, while everyone's settling in, Deku happens to glance outside and see that Uraraka has gone outside to think. And, uh, so he, I guess, jumps out the window to go and talk to her. I, I like to think he just kicks it, it open, like, shatters it through and then jumps down like, hey, fuck this building. No, Deku, the impenetrable fortress, Troy! <laughs> you left a perfect opening for our enemies! <laughs> so, they just kind of, like, exchanging a bit of small talk and then are quiet and then Deku gets to finally say oh hey yeah thanks for what you did 
and Araka gets embarrassed about it. And she's like, oh, come on, you didn't need to bring, need to bring that up. Then he asks what she's doing outside, and she's like, oh, I'm just looking at the city. But then he, like, it's just quiet between them again a bit. And she says, I'm kind of weird. Uh, and Deku starts to um, be a little sus because he just starts talking about how great she is and stuff. It's like, all right, come on, Deku. But uh, she says, well, that's not what I meant. What I meant was when I was shouting from the top of UA and doing that for you out of nowhere, I just started thinking about Himiko Toga and because we fought during Gigantomachia's rampage and she said something and I said something back uh, and I kind of figured I was just telling her stuff that she already knew, but she looked really sad when she heard it. And when you look at all the stuff that they did and the, with the kind of person that she is, you know, I can't forgive her for what she's done. But at the same time, she's a person. And I realized I don't really understand her like I thought that I did. And I got to thinking, I don't know that anything about her. So I'm looking down at the city right now so that I won't forget what happened that day and what I saw. So I keep all those thoughts out of my head so they don't interfere what I have to do. But Deku says, no, I get you because... I saw this little boy inside Shigaraki who was crying. I don't think there's any way we can avoid battle, but I also can't ignore what I saw deep inside of him. And that really reach a conclusion on this because Uraraka just says, I guess both of us are kind of weird and they just leave it at that, which I kind of like because they don't come to the sudden epiphany of like, this is what we should be doing. They're just kind of like, oh, okay. And there's, you know, that shared experience between them. Like, that's nice. Yeah. No, I mean, we're, we're growing to, or we're getting slowly to a point where we're going to deal with one of the major themes of my hero of rehabilitation for villains. And it's interesting that both Deku and Uraraka have villains that they have very complicated feelings on. Um, mm -hmm. Where they're like, I kind of want to save this person, but I also have to acknowledge they are a serial killer. <laughs> And we didn't get a very brief conversation, which honestly I could have stood to see go on for like a little bit longer uh -huh. because Tartaroki's talking with, you know, a bunch of the guys in his room. He's like, hey, you know, thanks. Thanks for being here for me. But, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine. And he says, well, I, look, I've got an older brother, too. And Tartaroki says, look, your family's nothing like mine. <laughs> <laughs> like, look, man, I don't want to like trivialize what you got going on. I'm sure it's it's dramatic, but <laughs> my family are monsters. <laughs> but uh, he says, like, our, our families are nothing like. I have, n I don't even know what Toya's favorite food is. And Baku goes like, it's piping hot udon. <laughs> it's okay, guys. I know what it is. <laughs> And Todoroki says in response, well, in that case, I'll make him sit down for a bowl with me. And that's just it. It's a it's a one page scene. And it's it's kind of very, it's a lot more just like trying to get across that same feeling of like, it's not just I have to beat this guy. It's I win by saving him thing that Uraka and Deku were talking about. But I guess also the idea is that Shoto has kind of just like more come to terms with that yeah. than Deku and Uraka have probably because it's been so much closer to him for like his entire life. So 
Anyway, uh, oh, for one's going to start his plan. That's that's we just squeeze that into the last page right there. Well, <laughs> it's, it's it's a very weird transition because Deku and Uraraka kind of finished their conversation. Uh, then next page turn and it's uh, Todoroki talking to Ida and, and uh, the other boys. Then they finish their conversation and we get one panel of, I presume, the end of Todoroki's thought over top of Deku and Uraraka again. All saying, and, we'll, we'll all saying the same line, yeah. Are they all supposed to be saying it? Because there's no directional thing anywhere. But it is I don't same, know. I, I assume it's the sentiment. They're they're all thinking we're going to stop them for sure. Then blank white space, and then just all for one being like, "Shall we?" It's like, huh? I have to wonder if that couldn't have been ordered a little bit better. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it was it was still at least uh, an interesting like last segment. Yeah, some of the some of the uh, bits here and there are like, oh, that's a little bit weirdly condensed. Um, but there are definitely some parts of this chapter that I do like. I'm very glad that we got this conversation between Baraka and Deku and the little comments between Todoroki and the others because like, oh, good. Our heroes are demonstrating this like, oh, right. They're learning to how to be like good savior people. So that's nice. Um and yeah, it's it's just that it's it's a little bit weirdly spaced because I kept I think I said there's you know just kind of like a compilation of scenes like three different times in that chapter, and then it's like oh now we have to squeeze these actual drawn out scenes down really cl- close, so it's a bit odd. But All that's right. the chapter. Yeah. So good one. Let's move on to Undead Unlock number ninety seven. Rotten bastard. Yeah. So we open up. The meteorite just fell. Andy got super excited. And we have uh, Tatiana and uh, Shakar basically like, wait, was that what we think it was? And Andy's like, yeah, that was one of Fuko's meteorites. It was her unluck happening. And they're like, so that means she's alive. And he's like, yeah, I think what I experienced was something similar to what happened with Autumn. I think it's what you would call a soul, I think. And Top's like, a soul? And he's just like, you'll find out soon enough. So, You mean like on my running shoes? <laughs> they're like, no, there's another spelling that exists. <laughs> uh, so Andy looks to the moon and says, just hold on, Fuko. Uh, so they're like, basically a quick little explanation saying like, hey, UMA Ghost didn't eat her because she has an actual form but once her soul weakens and she like before her soul can weaken he's going to get her back so there should still be time but then all of a sudden a big shaking happens and they're like holy shit what's happening and Juez reports in saying the earth is slowly but very surely making its way towards the sun (laughs) and she teleports in and says this wasn't supposed to happen. We were supposed to have avoided it. The penalty for failing revolution has been added to this world. And they're like, wait, is revolution not the same as rotation? And she says, no, rotation is when the Earth spins on its own axis. Revolution is when the Earth itself rotates around the sun. And Apocalypse chimes in saying, in less than three months, the Earth will be swallowed by the sun. So Joyce is like, what what the fuck why is this happening apocalypse you cheat fuck 
And he's like, oh, but no, we didn't add revolution. It's just you killed three of the seasons, so the balance of the earth is all fucked up. So something very similar to revolution is happening. Why did that happen, though? Because we made up, made it up, you know, just fuck you. (laughs) Uh, Basically, he's just like, yeah, you should have just taken the punishment and then you wouldn't have lost on luck along the way. And Andy just grabs Apocalypse by the mouth and she has to be told not to kill it, basically. And I do like that Apocalypse is just like, I don't care if you kill me. I'm just an evil book. <laughs> uh, and he notes that hey, this this loop's done because guess what? Before the next quest, the next quests come out on April first, the Earth is going to plunge into the sun and cease to exist. That means no more rewards, no more anything. You don't have to wait for the hundredth penalty to happen. The final quest, Ragnarok, is happening now. Uh oh, and he just notes, damn. It's freaking toying with us. I want to look for Fuko, but now it's saying the world's going to end. What am I going to do? And then and he looks over and he says, huh? The sun? How? But wasn't that just night a second ago? And they're like, wait, has even the flow of time sped up? Uh, and then we see Unruined sitting on a cliffside with an umbrella that has an eye mm-hmm. on it. And he says, blood, I don't need a parasol. Thanks. And presumably another UMA that functions very similar to Clothy molds into his shirt and says, are you sure your skin will burn? Doesn't it hurt? And Unruined says, yeah, but this is fine. I'm sure that being this sick and in this much pain holds some meaning. The master rules imposed by God hold no errors after all. Let us create a place. Join us, those who have surpassed death. We will create a place devoid of the need for impure vessels built with the tidings that have ushered in over the course of all eternity, the 101 master rules. We will create a perfect world. And Andy looks to the sun and says, you rotten bastard, as Unruined looks to the sky, face burning off, just saying, oh yes, God, yes! Oh, this is a great idea! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, so the, uh, for a chapter that's all about how the Earth is going to go into the sun, it's interesting that the most fascinating part of this chapter to me is that no one of them knew about the concept of a soul prior to this. It makes sense. It's just yeah. the same way we took for granted, like the idea like, oh, there are stars in the sky, surely mm-hmm. in this world. until so they're like, no, there haven't been until this point. Like, wait, what? <laughs> like. Yeah, only Andy and Fuko would have an idea what a soul was because Unknown was able to kind of manipulate it in some way. Yeah, so uh, it's yeah, it uh, it's just really weird whenever Undead Unlock pulls one of these things. And I was like, by the way, the world's been like this the entire time. You just haven't noticed. And uh, now here's the element that, you know, and, and it's really, really bad. So here we yeah. go. <laughs> so, um, I don't really have a whole lot to say on it otherwise i mean there's the whole worth falling into the sun thing but it's like all right there's a time limit now so i guess we'll see how they handle that and that's yeah, just kind of there's, it there's so. a lot of drama to the chapter it's not the most significant one but i do like what we get more of um unruin and kind of showcased in a very twisted uncomfortable personality behind him 
Mm. Uh, all right. Well, let's go on over to Kaiju number eight, chapter 55. Mm-hmm. Hey, so Kafka's old cleanup crew is uh, clearing up all those fucking ant corpses from that massive battle that they had. Uh, and uh, they're kind of complaining about some of the work and, and stuff. And uh, one of them, uh, this guy with this, this person with this slicked back, light colored hair says, well, I wonder what's going to happen now. Because, you know, Isao Shinomita got killed. Like when I was a kid, I thought he was invincible. And there's already people who are fleeing the country to avoid another disaster by number nine. So maybe we should get out. Of- but then uh, Kafka's buddy Toku says, ah, you dumbass. I'm not going to run away because if we run away, who's going to clean up the carcass after the defense force kicks number nine's ass? Yeah. It's like the most badass thing that's happened in this series in a few <laughs> chapters, honestly. <laughs> um, so, and, the, the, and they're like, but, and his coworkers are just kind of like, man, that Toku can be pretty cool sometimes. And despite the fact that he's a fucking drunk yeah. and he owes me 50 grand. <laughs> 50 grand is a lot to owe somebody to still be like getting impressed by the things they say. If someone owed me 50 grand straight up, I'd be like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Stop with your cool sayings. God damn it. Maybe they mean yen, which okay. would which would be $500, which I would still be like, give me five, my $500 back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we then cut over to the Ariake Maritime Base, where Kikoru is training with uh, one of the platoon leaders, Shinonome. Uh, and they're just kind of doing staff fighting stuff. Kikoru is clearly a lot more intense, while Shinonome is clearly holding her at bay. And Kikoru is like, oh my god, she's, you know, she's really good at gaining distance when she needs to. So no wonder she can wield that giant firearm in battle. I mean... All right. I mean, this is, <laughs> uh, Narumi is quote unquote overseeing Kikoru's training, which means that he's playing video games while lounging on in a tech chair. Uh, and uh, he says, I wonder when you'll get to a level where I can take you on myself. Every first division platoon leader is talented enough to someday reach the rank of captain. So I'll give you about a month. The time it'll take me to beat this game noob and that time i expect you to surpass all of them how often is he playing this game because it seems he seems to indicate that he plays games all the fucking time quite a lot but a month a month well, first, to beat the game first and foremost by the shot we see there it looks like he's playing a first person shooter of some kind which is him looking down the scope so there's one of two things one he's talking about the campaign of a, a, a first-person shooter, which I have never heard of the campaign in a first-person shooter that does not... It, it is not relatively short. I think right. like maybe 10, 12 hours tends right. to be like the run. Or he's talking about a multiplayer mode and like reaching like <laughs> super rank... Ca- like he's trying to complete something that has no end or something along those lines. Or maybe if it is a first-person shooter, maybe he's trying to unlock everything and like beat you know, like five star every mission but that requires loot boxes at some point i uh, presume so like he's just and you know what if it, what if they have a holiday event and new content gets <laughs> added into the game he's like oh i gotta have the swimsuit outfits yeah he's like i gotta get my naruto crossover character i gotta what's the most random fucking my king of the hill fucking skins have dropped i gotta i gotta get my my fucking dale skin <laughs> 
My obscure pop star character that nobody in the real world has ever heard of is, is in this game now. I've got to unlock them. Apparently, they're a really big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal now. I mean, they're going to show up in the Royal Rumble, so... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so... So, yeah, the timeline for Kikaru is when he beats this game in a month. Fake gamer. So... But he says, unless you're that caliber of prodigy, you're not going to cut it. Uh, and he tries to get like, you know, a last cool line. Him and say, now let's get this game started. And then his second in command kicks him out of his chair. He's like, you've got work to do, too. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but Kikaru is uh, fired up again. So she gets ready to spar. And uh, Shinomi is thinking to herself, like, hey, now that I've got a subordinate like you laying on the heat, I'm getting fired up, too. So she's she's you know happy to have a training partner like this as well. Yeah. Uh, Narumi's uh, second in command says, Hey, have you made up your mind about how to handle Kaiju number eight? Because Isao is not with us any longer. So you're basically going to get to single handedly decide what's to be done with number eight. Ooh. Well, that's important, so, as we find out in a moment. Mm. Uh, but then they get a communication regarding number eight because Kafka is hooked up to some medical monitoring equipment and it turns out that his kaijification is progressing. That little spur or bone or scale, whatever on his hand, uh, is not reverting back to human form permanently. And so one of the scientists is like, I mean, we don't really know how this works, but we're kind of thinking that maybe if he keeps on transforming, he won't be able to return to his human form. Uh, and, uh, then later on, Kafka is off sitting by himself and he's like, well, I'm guessing they found out about my hand. It was like, look that you, you were hooked up to so much equipment. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if any of them just forgot to check the back of your hand and see this three inch long giant thing sticking out between your knuckles. Uh, but he's worried that he's not going to be allowed to keep on fighting, which will mean of course that he'll, you know, just keep on seeing people he cares about get hurt. And he's like, I've got to stop Kaiju number nine. Narimi shows up and uh, very specifically sits on a bench next to the bench that Kafka is sitting on. <laughs> um, and he just says straight up, yeah, so we can't let you stay in the defense force because, you know, if you keep on transforming, you're not going to be able to return to being a human. And I can't let someone fight in that condition. And Kafka starts to get upset but then Narumi says, that being said, let me just say this. Lend me your power, Kafka Hibino. And we get this two-page color spread of uh, Narumi grabbing Kafka by the collar and just getting really, lend me your power, right in his face. Which, of course, surprises Kafka. And he says, look, I don't care if you, ever, if you turn into a kaiju. If you do, I'll just kill you. But we've got to take out number nine by any means necessary. You're, and you understand that, right? The only ones who understand the burden we bear are the people who were out there that day. Us. And also Kikuru. And that scientist guy, yeah, too, I guess. Uh, yeah. him, he understands the burden <laughs> we bear. So there's no way you're going to just sit here and back out. And Kafka says, well, I have a place I'm trying to reach. Against everyone's opposition, the director general helped forge a path for me to get there. I am ready and willing. And Rumi's like, all right, then come with me. 
Because now it's the defense force's turn to strike back. And that is not the end of the chapter. There is one last note that we have to hit. Hoshina is in a secure lab somewhere. And he says, so you're finally awake, huh? You sure had one sound nap, didn't you? Kaiju number 10. And he is looking over this huge-ass back-to-tank that has some organs and the top of a spine and the head of the giant kaiju that he defeated inside of it. I can't help but feel like it would be a bad plan to keep this thing alive. (laughs) But maybe this is how they turn them into weapons or something like that. I don't know. Possibly. Uh, I was just thinking that. I, 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 I was thinking that, okay, so is, you know, Oshina going to get, you know, a kaiju weapon, basically. He should. Fucking yeah, almost badass. basically sold that guy. Uh, I shouldn't say sold. There was a lot of help. But um, in my mind, I'm I'm thinking this guy should be more like Enadora because the situation is exactly like Enadora for World Trigger. Like I wanted like, to just, ah, sure. Fuck number nine. Yeah, I wanted just to, him to get a little crab body <laughs> and then walk around and be like, fuck the kaijus. <laughs> it's a little crab body that's like laptop sized, but it has his full size kaiju head on top of it. It's just stapled to it. <laughs> uh, just like it tips over at any slightly unlevel ground. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess we'll see what becomes of Kaiju number 10. Uh, this is probably a, a the plot element that I'm most interested in in the past several chapters of the series. It's like, oh, well, it's still alive. Okay, what are they going to do with it? Cool. So, and I mean, all the stuff with Narumi and Kafka is kind of just like necessary, you know, setting stuff up kind of stuff. It makes sense the direction that they headed in. They still don't trust each other or like each other, but yeah. now they're at least agreed to work together. Eh. All right, let's go to Spy Family. <sighs> yes. So I'm going to try and be breezy with, with explaining this one because this is a very Spy Family chapter. Like, it's just it, it's, it's a farce, you know. It's, yeah. So it, this is a Becky-centric chapter. And Becky is watching one of her soaps and she is seeing this scene where uh, a guy is rejecting uh, this girl's love because I have a fiance waiting for me out west. Uh, And she's like, I can make you forget about her. And and Becky's all. (gasps) And then she looks over at a portrait that is above a fireplace in a position of honor of Anya's family. <laughs> and so it's, you know, a picture of, of Lloyd and, and your and Anya and Bond. And so she's just stares at the, the picture and then she immediately calls up Anya and is like, hey, so we just so happen to be in your neighborhood. Can, it's OK if I drop by. Right. OK, good. Uh, and she shows up uh, accompanied by Martha. And uh, she's like, I've got it. I've got I, I'm going to. Meet Lloyd, and I'm going to confess to him. And Martha's in the background just thinking to herself, home wrecking is a no-no, madam, which is a great line. Lloyd shows up. Becky's shy. Lloyd is really nice to Becky. I do like the detail that Anya can't tell what the fuck is actually going through Becky's head because it's not human speech that she thinks in. It's wingdings, basically. 
Uh, and I was like, what the fuck is, is this a code? What is she thinking? But then she realized from her behavior, it's like, oh, yeah, I, kept, I think I've seen something like this before because she saw, you know, the the agent that was in love with Lloyd before. So um, uh, Lloyd is meanwhile just kind of like preoccupied with observing Martha's behavior. And he's like, oh, you know, this is a good opportunity because like there's some, you know, connections within her Becky's family that, you know, would be useful to my information gathering and stuff. Um, we get a brief se- sequence where, uh, Anya gives Becky an abbreviated tour and Becky keeps on making, I guess, not deliberately mean comments. And Anya after two rooms is just like, uh, let's, let's, let's not go to any more rooms. <laughs> um, Becky then senses a chance because you are out, out of the house. And she's like, I'm going to seduce Lloyd away from her. And then and she like gets this image of the same portrait from before, but with herself and yours position, which like it just so doesn't work because she's, you know, a child. Um, But then while Becky's thinking to herself, I was like, oh, I bet even Anya would be happy to have me as her mom because we could just move into a castle together and then we could, you know, uh, go take a helicopter to school and have servants prepare chores and have good dinners every day. And I just think to herself, like, and that does sound pretty good. <laughs> so she agrees to help her friend. Well, silently. And she's trying to actually, like, set up Becky, you know, to talk with Lloyd and stuff. Lloyd, of course, doesn't really take her seriously at all. Uh, and uh, he gets, like, really intently into trying to, like, fish stuff out about Becky's family. And she's like, uh, <laughs> just getting nervous. And then Yor shows up and Becky's like, that horrible woman, I'll I'll show her that I'm so much more deserving of Lloyd's affection. I'll use every last trick I've learned from my TV dramas. Uh, These involve taking the scrunchies out of her hair and shaking her hair out. Uh, And Lloyd's just like, what are you doing? And she's like, this this works all the time on TV. Was I not fluttering my eyelashes enough? Um, so then they have some tea, uh, and, uh, which is served by your, and then Becky looks at the tea and she's like, wait, is this a lifeline for my nemesis? No, she's conceding because of my hair attack. Yeah, that's it. Um, then, uh, she says like, are you interested in my family? And Lloyd's like, oh no, just making conversation. So she says, what? You've just been playing with me the whole time. And Lloyd has a spit take about this because because he, he's like, what? Wait, what? 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 What is she talking about? And you are, of course, is completely ignorant to what's going on and just believes in the best of everyone involved. Uh, Becky gets really, really upset. So she's like, I know what I'll do. I'm going to use the dirty trick that Penelope used on Tommy. And so she takes she gulps down the rest of her tea. And then she's like, oh, I'm tipsy. I must be drunk. And she slumps into Lloyd. And Lloyd's like, I mean, you're drinking black tea. I don't, how can you be? How can you be drunk? So he's just befuddled by this. But Yor takes Becky at her word and thinks, oh, my God, did I somehow pour alcohol into a child's drink? What do I do now? And Lloyd's like, it's, it's tea. It's fine. Everything's fine. No, maybe the leaves fermented too long. So she picks up Becky and dashes outside to rush her to a hospital. <laughs> It's the sequence after that, though, that makes me. Really oh, yeah. Laugh. I mean, the sequence, this part makes the entire chapter worth it 
because Yora just d- dashes headlong, heading for a hospital. But then she rushes out into the middle of a street, and a car is r- crossing, or just as she's crossing the street. So she throws Becky forward to yeah. save her. The car hits her. And she just combat rolls forward to catch Becky, and she's fine and keeps it's, running. For some reason, such a brutal moment of like toss, bam, bump, 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 catch. Let's keep going. Like Jesus, <laughs> the car driver's just like, what? What, what happened? <laughs> so Becky is so shocked by this that she decides to just tell the truth and says she was lying because she was like, I wanted Lloyd to go out with me. And Yor just says, oh, well, I'm just glad you're okay then. And she sets Becky down. And Becky says, oh, you mean you're not mad at me? And Yor says, well, why would I be mad? I mean, you're not you're not sick. I'm just happy. And it makes me happy to know that Lloyd is beloved by so many people. He's such a fine man. And Becky's just like, oh, my God, she's so open-minded. Oh, no. Um, They talk a bit more about Lloyd and uh, Becky says, because uh, Yor says, oh, I don't even know why he puts up with a dunce like me. And Becky starts to, you know, be a bit more nicer to her. And she says, but Lloyd chose to spend his life with you. How did you manage to pierce his heart? And but Yor says, I couldn't do that because, you know, Lloyd could get hurt and there are better ways to get the job done. Uh, and as for Lloyd. Oh, because she's talking about piercing his heart. I didn't even get that until just now. <laughs> it took her literally. Oh, no, I would never stab him. He's a good guy. Uh, your says like, well, I can't just say that, oh, he chose to marry me because of, you know, a secret scheme or anything. So instead, she basically calls upon something that Lloyd said while she was drunk, which she doesn't remember too well. But it's you're strong, you're. And Becky is shocked by this. And she's like, oh, my God, Lloyd likes strong women. Well, I guess she is strong. That makes sense. Uh, so then they, she, Lloyd and Nanya catch up with Becky and Yor. Becky happens to spot a test your strength test over nearby. And she's like, I know. I'll impress Lloyd by being, proving how strong I am. The hammer is too heavy for her because she is six. Uh, Yor picks up the hammer with one hand and destroys the mechanism. It's not, it's not a shocking development, honestly. Yeah. Uh, although Lloyd is clearly a bit concerned because, oh my God, why, how has this happened? So, but Becky interprets it as him being completely transfixed by Yor. So she bows before Yor and asks for instruction because she says, I want to learn to be strong like you. And Yor is really happy about this. And she says, okay, we'll do some training together. And Becky says, and one day the life really will be mine. But when Martha shows up to uh, pick up Becky and take her home, Becky is doing some martial arts training with your, which is very cute. So yeah, it's a sweet little chapter. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I don't think we'll be catching up on that again next next time we have a spy family chapter. I feel like that's a good <laughs> one. And done. Just, all right, all right. They're like no, next chapter we're now going to deal. She's she's become a superhero. She took the the martial arts lessons too seriously, and she's fighting crime now. Oh no, it's uh, it's like an Iron Fist uh, thing or something. Yeah, yeah except probably better. I would assume. Did Iron Fist have villains? I can't remember. Okay, so yeah, but um. 
Madame Yao. It was right? like, no. Well, I think she was in it, but he fought that guy. Remember he was rich, like a bad guy. Right. Not like not like Iron Fist, not, who was a not, good guy, rich. Yeah. Right. This was a different guy who was evil and rich. And not like Kingpin, who was evil and rich, because Kingpin had like a lot of layers. This guy didn't have those. He was like an orange peel. Like the layer was already taken off and there was yeah. just the one. Yeah. yeah. Except underneath it was poop. <laughs> like you, you took off the orange peel. You're like, this is just poop. <laughs> but then you still were like, let me try biting into it and see if it's any. You know, no. <laughs> you got to bite in. You're like, nah, it's just poop. I'm not going to eat this. this is oh, bad. but there's a second season. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the next one won't be so bad. <laughs> Oh, he's in the Defenders, guys. <laughs> yeah, check that out. Oh, man. Uh, all right, so real trigger. We got two chapters to talk about. The Away Mission Test Part 15. All right. Guess what, guys? Things aren't going well for Suicide Squad and these mock battle what? things. No, it's just not going well. No. Um... Yeah, so Mizukami is just handling the battles by himself because he's extra like that. Suicide Squad's like, well, this isn't really working. Um, uh, Katori is really pissed off about uh, the gunner follow-up skill, and she's like, it's broken! It's so fucking unbalanced bullshit! Um, And uh, they also talk about some other game stuff. Anyway, I'm just going to move ahead. Uh, Game stuff, game stuff, game stuff, range combo, game stuff, game stuff, game stuff. Uh... So, um, they also propose strategies. They're like, no. Wait, uh, which chapter are we on? Uh, chapter 217. We're on 218. Are we? Yeah. Oh, that would be why. Okay, hang on. I was going to say, I was like, 218 is All 218 right. to 219 were the new ones. Uh, there's an OG squad match. Ikoma <laughs> is like, oh man, it's just so bad. Uh, so, uh, okay. Anyway, they got a question for a special assignment. All right. It's it's uh so they're like okay so we're there was on the last question there was a thing that said we should talk stuff over as a team but this one just says to you know answer the questions so there's a big difference there uh and so they th- talk about that briefly and they're like oh do you think that that means that one person is supposed to sit out from the battle sim and answer and just tackle it themselves while the rest of us do all the battle sim stuff and so Sue is just like yeah okay Mikamo you're on special assignment duty. Um, so they discussed this briefly and so it was like, look, the only two people we can really spare in the battle sim are me and Mikamo and Mikamo is better at this kind of stuff. He, so he should do it. And so Osamo agrees. He says, oh, he'll get it done. And, uh, so they start working on that stuff. Osamu quietly thanks Sua for doing this. Of course, they had actually discussed something like this happening, uh, previously. Then we cut around to a couple of different uh, <laughs> then squads. Then we cut around to every other squad and see what their strategies After are. The same... And all the, most of them are very different. And that's that's yeah. the big the big question mark of it. Who's yeah. doing it right? Uh, Wakamura, uh, he is just kind of like, oh, man, they're basically just telling us to choose whatever squad member is the most useless in battle. And. I feel like I'm just going to have to like sit out and do this, and but then I'll look bad in front of everyone because I'll just be admitting that I'm the worst per- people in person in combat. And um, Hisato, 
who you could have told me was a character that didn't exist before this moment. And I would have believed you. I was just like, Hey, um, maybe I should just do it. He clearly sees the walker is like not having a good time. So he just like takes it off his hands and everyone agrees to this. Mizukami is like, I've got the next match off. So I could do the assignment on my own. Ah, ah, whatever. Hey, (laughs) I do. I do like this dude who really just seems to be like, these fucking people are holding me back. Every single one of them is holding. Not he doesn't say, it, but he is just soloing almost everything. This is the first time he's just like, oh, here, I'll fucking delegate something, I guess. Uh, so he does basically just leave it up to everyone to decide who's going to do it. Uh, uh, and in this case, they actually have two people do it. Uh, and then he's just like, he just like leaves it out for everyone else to discuss. And then Arafuni is the one who decides what to do. And he's just kind of like, yeah, it's a good thing that I had a captain here to just, you know, like take care of this boring stuff <laughs> so I could get back to doing the game. Uh, and Kiyazoi's squad, they, uh, basically has someone like, uh, he basically just says like, okay, well, so may would probably be good at this, but we need her as the operator. So then, uh, instead some guy who I don't know, but makes weird faces is like, well, I could do it because I've just been, you know, standing near Zoe. So I could like just have him use my unit. And they're like, no, we need you for this. So instead, uh, Zoe will take the assignment and and you'll control him. And then since the units will stick together, that makes sense. OK, uh, then we do Murakami squad. And uh, there's a lot of like, oh, I'm not good at this game. So, guys, I don't know. Eventually, uh, Murakami's like, mm, all right, we got a break during match eight, so we could just work on the assignment as a group. But they're like, yeah, but then we'll have to really rush it. Uh, but they say, like, eh, if we work together, we can finish quickly. Um, their operator says, hmm, everyone in this squad is kind of like too thoughtful and considerate. Like everyone's just like, oh, being really humble and stuff. So I don't know about this. Uh, Nina Mia is just like Emma you do it <laughs> you're doing it I, as captain you do it, it. <laughs> and that's the end of the conversation <laughs> well, well user yeah. is just, Emma does user start to be like, like hey right. come on guys like Ozma would be really good at this why me and Nina Mia says you don't go on the fucking away mission right <laughs> I wish she had dropped the F word <laughs> that would so cool you want to go on that fucking away mission huh with your fucking girlfriend do, do the goddamn report <laughs> She's not my girlfriend. <laughs> Grow some fucking balls and ask her out. And two, yeah. fucking do the assignment because I fucking told you to. <laughs> yeah, she's not. Why don't you do the goddamn assignment, buddy? <laughs> Before Mr. Steal Your Girl over here fucking does it. Because <laughs> goddamn namesake. I'm 12. <laughs> and I'm a fucking 80-year-old man in the body of a 15-year-old. So it all works out. <laughs> Fuck all of you. Do your work. <laughs> Do your goddamn missions. But he does like he really gets under user's skin, but he's like, hey, this is your chance to fucking prove yourself to leadership, so take this seriously. Yeah. That's an order. <laughs> Such a dude. I love that he he keeps dropping. He's the only person who has to like really establish that he's the captain. It's the captain's orders, which I understand border is a military organization, but it's populated by like pre-teens yeah <laughs> like it's shit like that so like a lot of them are just like in the clicky bullshit they're just like well like i'm the goddamn captain you goddamn do the special report 
Uh, uh, in Urukawa squad, Yuma starts to say like, I mean, I wouldn't mind doing this, but, and they're like, yeah, you're not very good at the long form questions and answer stuff. Are you, <laughs> um, uh, their operator Shiki starts to volunteer for it. They're like, yeah, we, we, you're our operator. We need you for that. Uh, it is blowing my mind. How many, I know they say the, the names a lot, but it's blowing my mind. How many of these characters names you're getting? Well, I'm just looking further along in the conversation okay. to where they say their name. <laughs> <laughs> Kotaro, whose name I might have remembered, but will never know because it just says it right there uh, multiple times in the conversation. He volunteers for it. He's like, hey, I'd like to just try this out. And they start to question, like, are you sure about that? But Urugao's like, yeah, OK, you've got it. Uh, and then he says, Kakizaki actually gave me some advice. He said that if you ever volunteer for something, that I should let you do it. Aw. So, and they just don't have that. But before he heads off to the assignment, Yuma says, oh, by the way, before you go, you should think about the, the fact that the rank wars are designed as practice for a mission in the neighborhood. And you should try and work that into your line of thinking. Um, and uh, so then uh, I, I don't know this guy's name, the long, shaggy, black haired dude. That's Udagawa. That's Udagawa? Yeah. Oh, oh. Okay, whatever. I got them mixed up. Sorry. I don't remember World Trigger characters' names. There's too many to, of them, guys. To be fair, Udagawa showed up in the draft. Like he, I think he had been mentioned at one point, but that was us actually meeting him, and he has said maybe two lines of consequence, so I don't blame <laughs> you for not remembering who Udagawa is. Yeah, the downside to cutting between 52 characters <laughs> is I don't settle in with any of them. <laughs> So, but uh, Ugawa says to him, it's like, hey, you sound really confident about that advice. Why is that? And Yuma just says, like, oh, it's just something I thought of. But he thinks back to the conversation that he had where he was told, like, oh, yeah, your dad was the one who came up with this entire border system. So um, then we cut to where everyone looking over. Oh, wait, maybe, that, maybe I had it wrong that that's not Ugawa. I thought Ugawa was the Rambo guy. There's too many fucking don't characters. Know. I don't, don't remember. Know. His name was also with a fucking U. Now I have to type this up. World Trigger Rambo <laughs> Dude. Rambo. Rambo Dude. I didn't get any fucking results. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, we see that Jin is talking with Usami and some others about stuff. Uh, but then he has to go because uh, he has stuff that he's doing in this part of it. And also he is having meetings with leadership. And uh, when he's talked to about that, he's like, true elites like me get dragged every which way. But then when he's by himself, he says, since I can't go on the OA mission personally, I've got to make up for it elsewhere anyway I can. So, oh, Nick, oh, I'm sorry. I'm the big dumb idiot here. It's Urushima. Who is the guy with the shaggy black hair? I'm the big dumb idiot who got Urugawa and Urushima mixed up. I think that's forgivable, in my opinion. Fucking so stupid ass fucking names. It's too many characters. <laughs> Part 17! Uh, so Osamu has to work on the special assignment while everyone else is battling, and he just like thinks about a bunch of stuff. Okay, so. <laughs> Um, but the thing that he thinks about a bunch of different points, look, I'll just wait until they actually cover some stuff later on and when they're actually discussing everyone's answers, okay? I can skip this because they just cover it again. Uh, meanwhile, Squad 7 actually wins a battle. It's against Wakamura, who sucks. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, and there's a there's a brief moment where Katori, where, where like after they celebrate, they kind of look over at uh, Katori, and she's not actually all that happy, despite the fact that she's been really worked up about all these matches up to this point. And she's like, oh, no, no, it's fine. It's great. But she thinks to herself, God, you were really weak out there, Rokuro. She's disappointed in her squad mate. So. Um, then uh, they bring up the like, oh, hey, you know, a lot of the ideas that Mikumo gave us are actually t- seeming to work out great. There's less miscommunication and stuff. I know Samu looks pleased to hear this because they're just I, talking. I nice did something. Him. They're saying nice things about me as if I'm not in the room. <laughs> Uh, Suwook encourages them to get finished. Uh, and Osama's like, yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't get distracted. Then we cut to the leadership desk to everyone discussing how everyone handled that special assignment that they gave. And the first thing that they discuss is how everyone handled who would do the assignment and how much time it spent them to do it. And I do like that Ninomi is like the shortest one there. It's just like, Ninomi just fucking told you to do it. <laughs> That's uh Kitazoi took the longest time, Makamura took the second longest, uh, and Sua Squad is uh actually pretty quick too. Yeah, pretty quick. So I do love that Ninomiya was just like, do the goddamn mission, and he's the quickest one on there. He's like speed running <laughs> through fucking conversations. Do it. I said so. Uh although could, they also You could have shaved some time off by uh being a little bit more like that. He was told like you could shave time off your score by not being played. He's like, oh. I wasn't ever going to use the word please. That was never, <laughs> never even an option. I do like, however, that um, Mizukami, aka the, uh, oh, wait. Yeah. Uh, Mizukami, like, basically just like, hey, there's this assignment. And then someone else said, hey, you guys do it. And so he got the second pass assignment. So <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, some of them also talk about like, oh, yeah, there were also some people who actually, you know, caught on to the ulterior motive we had in mind on this. Kitora, again, looking good uh, during this because she says like, hey, so, you know, we, we've got little time to talk about this. So I'm just going to take on the assignment so that, you know, because there's all sorts of risks that come into that could come into play uh, if we take the time to talk about this. So I'll just I'll just do it, guys. Uh, you will. I'll end with them. We'll save time on it. Uh, so. They go with that. She got a lot of good marks for it. Uh, and then they note that the captains of squads that argued lost points, especially Wakamura. <laughs> Maki gave him a minus three because she was just like, you've got no presence. No, no it factor. You're never going to be a WWE champion with yeah. that. So <laughs> say you're to be chasing the 24-7 title before you know it. Oh, man, I just like, guys, I just don't know if this guy's going to move the needle. They're not a future world champion. Who cares that who cares that Dan Housen debuted? I just don't see him being a future world champion. <laughs> yeah, shouldn't even bother with it, really. Who cares? So, <laughs> uh, And then there's also like some mixed results uh, that, that happened with uh, uh, Kitazo and stuff for like the people who actually had like conversations and stuff. So. The more complex conversations got more mixed results. The more direct actions got a lot of positive results. And the people who just were wishy-washy got negative results. It all makes sense. Then they're getting points on the actual written scores. And they note that Kitazoe and Yuzuru did not do well on the assignment. Uh, So good job, Yuzuru. Not going to get to go on this mission with your girlfriend at this rate. She's not my girlfriend. Exactly. So, (laughs) um... 
they they have like a set of like four different basic scoring criteria that they do it on. One of them is skills being honed uh, are going to be honed better because the rank wars are more complex. One is that there are downsides of rank wars matches between just two squads. One is discussing relevance of these factors to defense missions. And one is discussing relevance of these factors to away missions. Okay. Uh, and so other than user and Zoe, just about everyone managed to at least hit the two, the first two points. There were also some agents who received bonus for the relevance to the away mission. Osamu and Kitora are among them. Uh, and then there is point three, uh, who, and there are, we get Yuba and Sasamori for, you know, got some points for this as well. And they're like, oh yeah, you know, it's, it's nice that they actually had, you know, all this stuff in mind when they were thinking about that stuff. And then they call attention to Oji and to Osamu who brought up the way that the rank wars are managed and so they come up with all these different ideas of like, oh, you know, this makes it so that, you know, if the squads get split up a certain way that you could actually balance them out. Uh, Osama brings to the point of like simple squad versus squad matches are going to leave a lot of agents being left over and it makes it more difficult to actually put together more matches between people and stuff. They're like, huh? Yeah, I guess all that does actually make sense. It's a good thing we did this. So, <laughs> yeah. But again, if they if none of these people were the ones who came up with the system, um, maybe that's why none of them had thought of this point. <laughs> um, so yeah, then after this, we just cut ahead. The matches for the day are done. Sua squad managed to get two wins, seven losses, and one draw. So not a great result. And uh, the chapter ends with Sua saying, day two scores just came in. Okay, day two's done. <laughs> My God. <laughs> I will say this because we've we've talked kind of negatively about World Trigger the past couple of months or so. Um, this was the first time in a while where I came away from the chapter saying, like, I actually kind of like this. Um, <clears throat> at least, I guess, in particular, in comparison to last month's or the last time we had a chapter, which was almost unreadable, <laughs> where you're just like, I don't care about this game and its mechanics. I don't. This one actually kind of it got us a little bit invested in certain characters and showed off a little bit of their personalities. I'm not sure still if Wakamura's ultimate role is to just be sort of like the goofest Osamu's gallant, <laughs> essentially, <laughs> like to be like, this is what happens if you're a complete no Nick or if like somewhere down the line, Wakamura really shows what he's capable of or something like that. I'm kind of curious to see what that end is. But the big thing that I have Fuck you, Ashihara. Just tell us what the scores are. Yeah. The cliffhanger of the scores are in is so infuriating because unless the next chapter opens and they're at the top for some reason, it's not going to be like, I'd rather be like, oh shit, what does that mean? Or something along those lines. Like, there's no way I'm going to open up next chapter and be like, no, a pleasant surprise. It's just me sitting here green like, ah, oh, fuck, I forgot. We didn't even know what, like, I don't have anything to really look forward to next chapter. I'm like, just tell me now so I can be excited to be like, what? Why are they there? I feel like the only thing I'm confident in is that Wakamura squad's going to be bottom oh, of the fucking to. barrel. <laughs> I don't remember what they were before. They weren't great, but they, they were, I think, second to last. Yeah, they have so. to be last. They have to. All right. It's the big chapter of the week. Is it? Eden, <laughs> Eden Zero, Eden Zero. <laughs> Chapter 178. 
Rebecca and Labilia. Oh man, these two, they go way back. Way back. So we open, we get a color page, uh, I believe to celebrate the uh, anime gain a season two renewal, which I have not heard great things about the anime, but Me neither. perhaps I've been hearing it from people who aren't big read zero fans of me that plays into it um it's a cool it's a cool cover page uh with the it's weirdly seductive yeah that's like the sexiest thing that's actually happened in need zero exactly. <laughs> uh so labilia is like hey take this glove off yeah i need to talk to you rebecca and i guess she kind of just like sh- not shoes they they walk away but she's like i'll have this conversation without you happy and rebecca's like hey so what did you need to say to me about you dying? And Labilia says, you know, when B-Cubers say they're going to die, they mean they're going to retire, obviously, which I know a lot of people got like when they live read this chapter, they were super frustrated by that line because it felt like a huge cop out to like last chapter. I'm going to die. And by die, I mean, retire as a B-Cuber. Um, but it felt pretty clear to me that that wasn't ultimately what she meant but it is a dumb explanation to add in yeah. the chapter um so to like hey you're like it's not so bad that you had to stop like labilia is like you could or rebecca's like you don't have to retire and labilia is like no to me stagnation is as good as death so i want to settle things before i die with you and rebecca notes like i there there was nothing for us to really do i mean i still have nowhere near the number of subscribers that you do which so to recap being a series rebecca tiny numbers of tiny number of followers it was a, a revelation whenever someone was actually a fan of hers Babelia, huge beekeeper following, you know, got to like pull off sweet pranks, bro. And like get to have all sorts of people working with her. Current times, Rebecca thriving. People recognize her. She gets, you know, she, she was chased by peace, chased in the streets. I believe she, I believe she was described as like when her intro box came in, it was mega popular B-tuber Rebecca or whatever. Babelia uh, now shadow of her former self no nobody cares about her anymore like you know when she's talked about it's like oh i remember that girl who used to be famous but she's got more subscribers than rebecca still (laughs) i i would pick a pick one story (laughs) i would love to uh shit talk that more but i feel like there might be some truth in that in thinking like i don't know there were a lot of like really popular youtubers in the early days who like kind of stagnated and i i feel like if someone was like hey it's smosh i'm like uh i know that name i don't know who you are but sure how's it going (laughs) bud or uh i think you did like a pokemon song video or something like that okay so here's the thing i agree with you but then if we accept that then that means we also have to accept that subscriber count is a poor measurement of success level on popularity, which means the series needs to stop touting it as yes. such. Yes, oh, 100%. As we'll get into... Uh, Power levels are bullshit! Yeah, as I plan to get into at some point during this chapter, uh, how this series still handles B-cubing is still a, a baffling mystery to me. Uh, we also get a shot of their butts saying, we had a feud in the past, didn't we? <laughs> Maybe in the past. And I, I, I need to say this now, 
I find myself so bothered by the fact that because of the way Hero draws these characters, it looks like they are all wearing really ill-fitting swimsuits. Like, I just keep looking, I'm like, that's not how the bottoms are supposed to fit. Like, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's halfway down the body, the butt at that point. There's like a lot, there's a lot of room left. Um, So... Labilia is just like, oh, hey, don't you remember all those mean things I did to you? We get like a montage of them. And Rebecca like, Mm -hmm. you sure did cause me a lot of grief. So Labilia uh, says, all right, so send that rage back at me and turns on her B-cube and just starts trying to punch Rebecca. And Rebecca's like, wait, you mean a fist fight? And Labilia says, a cat fight between bikini clad babes. What could be more photogenic? That's right. <laughs> yeah, Vince McMahon in the corner is like, good, good. Put it on the second hour segment. Ah, <laughs> uh, I see a pool over there. Oh, if one of them got thrown into that pool, oh, the ratings. Uh, Labilia says, hey, would you fight back kindly? I don't want this to turn into a bully video. Which is weird, because that has to be the entire way her channel has survived, because every video we've ever seen her done is her just ruthlessly bullying poor Rebecca. <laughs> um, Rebecca adds, I've done a lot of martial arts training and eat their gear fight over the last three years. An average girl isn't going to stand a chance against me. So she tries to, like, go easy on Labilia, and Labilia docks and fucking, like, punches her in the face really quickly. And then kicks her in the face. And she's like, ah, yeah, I never told anybody because it, influ- it doesn't match my influencer persona. But I'm an expert in the dancing Sakura style of karate. All right. Okay. <laughs> and Rebecca is immediately like, I surrender. I have time control powers. Yeah. <laughs> Rebecca's like, I give up. I don't care. Uh, and immediately, I don't. I tried to think of what submission hold immediately Labilia locks her into. Like it's uh, just like see. I guess like a chicken wing or something like that, right? Uh, well, is she grabbing her arm? It's or her, is she... it's her arm and bending it backwards, like a, like over the back. I actually have to zoom in on this. You keep going. I'm just gonna okay. see if I uh, Le- see where she's clutching. Re- Rebecca is basically like, I can't let you do this, especially because Labilia. <laughs> It's how close your face is to the screen now. <laughs> well, I can't see because because Crunchyroll's manga reader is shit. So I have to hang on. I'm just I'm just gonna look at my phone. Okay. All right. Uh, Keep going. She Labilia makes some comment about. All right. After I, I've beaten you, I'll find your friend Hoppy and do the same thing. And Rebecca's like, All right, don't fucking talk about Happy. I'm gonna I'm gonna beat you up. Don't you talk shit about my cat. They actually have like a three panels where they actually are having a pretty intense fight with like headbutts and stuff like that. Yeah. Then we get a weird shot where Labilia has grabbed. <laughs> yeah. Labilia has grabbed the inside of Rebecca's bikini top. And then Labilia turns it over and is like, I can't help myself. It's just so much fun. And Rebecca's like, you made me the laughing Scott, uh, laughing stock for your entire career. And Labilia encounters with a bottom tier B cuber should consider herself lucky to be singled out by such a star. Uh, they continue to have a fight. Rebecca says, have you ever once considered people's feelings? You mock them for your own entertainment. Do you have any idea how humiliating, how painful, how sad it is to have those horrible experiences put on video and displayed to the whole world? What did I ever do to you? And Labilia starts crying. She says, I'll tell you what you did. You started all of this. 
Seeing your video made me want to be a beekeeper. Uh, so they stop fighting. Uh, and then Lobelia continues saying, Hey, when I was a little girl, I was sick. I spent a lot of time in a, a hospital bed and I turned on a beekeeper to see you in the video. And it was crazy because I was seeing this little girl the same age as me trying so hard. It stole my heart and I realized I wanted to be like her. And I was. I became really successful. I was very lucky. I was trying to be like you. And then all of a sudden, I was miles ahead of you. And I realized then I started to become a bad person because I had lived up to my ideals. So why weren't you? I, like, I kept seeing you doing all these crappy videos, wearing a silly smile, and I just lashed out at you. Like, you know, I... I I told you I wanted to let it all out, and that's ultimately why I wanted you to start fighting me, because I, I wanted you to punch me, because I deserved it. I, I'm sorry I put you in a, chi a chicken wing hold or whatever. <laughs> it's it's called a grounded top wrist lock. Mm, I'm sorry I put you in a grounded top wrist lock. It's just I wanted you to do that and open up or whatever. So Rebecca is like, oh, well, you know, that's fine. Hey, you were sick as a kid, but you're okay now. And the Billy is like, no, I have the sad anime girl disease. It's incurable and I will die at some point. It's presumably sometime soon. Sometime soon. But uh, there's no details to it. So she's just like, you know what? I'm glad I got to see you. Now I have no more Rebecks or uh, no more regrets. No I'm more Rebecks. <laughs> no more Rebecks. I got the last one out of my system. So I'm going to go die now. And Rebecca's like, wait, no, you should see the doc the ship doctor we have. And Lobelia's like, no, I, I appreciate the offer, but I made peace with that a long time ago. And Rebecca's like, no, you don't understand. She's magic. She can cure <laughs> shit. She can cure shit you should not be able to cure. So I'm fairly certain she could do it. And she also goes and hugs Lobelia and says, we've only just taken the first step. I want to walk together as friends. We then cut away to the Eden Zero, where Shiki is contacting Holy, saying, hey, I made the decision. We are going to join you. But on one condition, until the battle on Lendard is over, you will stay aboard the Eden Zero. And Holy's like, ah, they want me overwatch. And Cheeky continues, hey, if you can't do that, the deal's off. We, you know, we'll still beat Ziggy, but we're not going to do anything with Crow. And Holy just says, I accept your terms. And that's where the chapter ends. So that's whatever, you know, that's set up for the next stuff. Obviously, the main stuff going on here is this seemingly uh, an attempt to actually resolve things between Lobelia and Rebecca, which has kind of been a background thing that's been going on throughout the entire series up to this point. I feel like that would be an interesting development if they actually were able to actually change that relationship because we have actually seen a fair number of times where Lobelia has just been a real jerkwad to Rebecca for no fucking reason. Um, that said, uh, I don't know if I believe it yet because... <laughs> It, <laughs> Fool me five times. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I will say, ultimately, I I like in theory what this tries to do for Rebecca and the Billy's relationship. As it, it is an interesting layer in Rebecca to have this character who's very personal to her, who was an antagonist to her, who their relationship has changed over these three years. Rebecca has skyrocketed in popularity. Labilia hasn't. Um. There is this weird disconnect that 
we don't ever delve into what really goes into making B-Cuber videos, what made Rebecca popular. There there feels like there was room for a really interesting discussion because maybe the reason why Labilia's channel stagnated and Rebecca's skyrocketed is because a lot of the events in the uh, Owl Cosmos was publicly shown and people yeah. decided they liked that Rebecca was this freedom fighter who was helping people and doing these positive videos and they were suddenly not a big fan of Labilia bullying and pranking people or something yeah. along those lines like her realizing her personality was the reason why her videos are stagnating as opposed to just generic it's just not anymore uh and then add on top of that and i have sick anime girl disease yeah it's incurable i'll die any day now and it's just like all right man. honestly out of out of anything going on in this chapter that's the part that makes me goes i don't know if i believe you <laughs> yeah like there's so few oh man if it was just because there's some people who are like I hope Labilia joins the crew. And I'm like, the only, the only fucking way I want her to join the crew is if she joins as just the fucking biggest cunt on the planet. Just the, just an absolute bitch. Like she has to go back to her old personality. Like they have to meet a new group. She's of just people. a jerk to everyone yeah. except, except, except Rebecca, whom she's cool with yeah. and Shiki, whom she's mad crushing on. And everyone else like, you're such a weird asshole. <laughs> like when, the, when the crew meets a new group of people, Labilia's reaction should be to very cruelly prank them. Like when they meet Oasis members, she's like, Hey everybody, I just met a group. Like she puts her VTuber on. She's like, I just met a bunch of big dumb nerds. And I'm gonna show you where their secret base is. Follow me. We're gonna do an unboxing video of this organization, starting with this big dumb cat over here. Look at his stupid face. Honestly, if like that kind of thing, like we're kind of turned around and it's like oh well now but she's you know allies with them so she uses her it's a sweet prank bro uh ways for good could actually i think potentially be a kind of satisfying turn for that to take yeah um again i don't know if i necessarily believe it uh but just because i feel like every time that this character showed up it has been to either mock rebecca or to pretend to be friends with rebecca and then immediately turn turn on her um, I don't know about the whole disease thing. It, it seems like just like a, a way to kind. Okay, assuming that she is being sincere, it feels like the "I'm gonna die" thing is just to kind of like make it easier for the audience to get over what the bad stuff that she did and forgive her, which is just seems kind of underhanded to me. The problem that I really have with this ultimately. If we take her story as the truth, I feel like the idea that is going on at work here, which is that Lobelia had this parasocial relationship with Rebecca, and then that took a turn because the true Rebecca did not match with her image of her. I think that that could be, you know, potentially a really interesting thing, but it doesn't quite fit in with the context of what has happened in the series. I, I, I see the kind of actions that she took towards Rebecca and then that being the explanation for it. And it doesn't seem to really click in my mind together. It doesn't seem like that, you know, if that was the cause behind it, then what she has done before this point doesn't seem like it should have followed from that. Uh, I think that it would have been interesting if like that had always been the plan uh, and then to see what her behavior was as a result of that influence on her. But I feel like this was just kind of an explanation. And there was admittedly a 
retcon or a face turn reasoning behind it that at least does tie into something that social media personalities do have to deal with. So it was an interesting idea. I just don't know if it was incorporated well into the greater context of stuff. So, yeah. And uh, meanwhile, uh, they had a bikini fight. and it was. <laughs> yeah, that's really where you like, I will give Hero credit. He could have made the fight a lot hornier. Oh, yeah. like it could have been full on like softcore fetish, like fucking bikini fight nonsense where like, I'm going to pull your hair and tear your shirt off or whatever. Yeah. Although she does actually tear Rebecca's shirt off at one point, uh, but it was already buttoned open anyway. So I guess it doesn't really matter. But regardless, props where props is due. He only made it mildly horny. Now, granted, the art in this chapter also was not very good. I found quite a few points where characters just look off. The anatomy looks strange. Things, I don't know, maybe Hero just didn't have the time to draw it all. Or maybe orienting both girls in super tiny bikinis made it so you really couldn't get like great shots to... to Restrictive. Yeah, yeah. You, you made it so the anatomy is kind of on front street. Anyway, uh, let's not talk about the anatomy of this uh, chapter any further because <laughs> let's talk about Dorororan. All right, it's chapter nine. That kind of organism. Uh, Genshia was looking on as Dora and Kusanagi beat up and kill, but don't kill the big Mononoke that killed Dora's mom. Yay, they did it and. Ginchio says, those two keep exceeding expectations, whereas I, doesn't finish the thought, uh, the Monoke is still alive, and it starts going, ow, it hurts, and something from within sight, it goes, oh, shut up, and some fingers blorch out from inside of its belly and wrench it open, and blood goes flying everywhere, and a Super Saiyan 3 comes out. So, Nick, I have a comment already. What's that? Is this series named after the stupid sound effect that happens yes. when characters show up? When, when yes. fucking That's so... Because I was just like, why does it say Dororon, Dororon, or whatever over his head? I was like, oh, because that's the sound effect when they show up. Yes. All right. That, that was, that's been in, like, every chapter. That I sound haven't effect. paid attention to that. All yeah. right. I don't know. Um, so in response to its belly literally being torn open from the inside, the giant Mononoke goes, ouch, what just happened? You know, you just got chest burster. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. So the Super Saiyan 3 with weird black snake heads coming out of him, just kind of there and uh, yawns. Uh, apparently he's been sleeping inside of this guy for a while. And um, so they're like, what the hell is this guy? Is he a human? Is he a Mononoke? Uh, and they conclude that he's a humanoid Mononoke with absurd amounts of power. And Genshio is still paralyzed from the needle. So that's no good. Uh-oh. So the humanoid Mononoke looks over at Dora and is like, wait a minute. You're a human? And Dora's like, yeah. And he looks around. He's building stuff. He's like, Wait, am I in the human world? Yeah. It's full of humans, right? Yeah. And the humanoid Mononoke goes, Doof! throws his arms up. 
This guy's immediately the best character in this stupid series. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone just looking at him in shock. And he says, well, where's the biggest city? I mean, I guess Musashi no Kuni Kamui. Yeah, where is it? Um, that way, I guess. It's really far away away. All right, thanks. And he turns and all of his snake heads coming out of his body light up with energy beams and he's like, yeah, well, if it's over there, I just got to clear a path. Ginchio happens to be in the path, so that's no good. Uh, and Ginchio has a moment to think, oh, I'm going to die right before Adora manages to get in the way. Deflects the blast is saying right towards her with Kusanagi. And uh, it just, you know, it's fine. It just blows up all the buildings behind her. So, you know, no one else got hurt. Yep. Uh, and that miles and miles of buildings that just got reduced they to rubble. evacuated, Nick. It's like it's Batman fine. versus Superman. Everyone was out of those buildings. And, or Man of Steel until Batman and Superman happened and they're like some people were in those buildings because now Superman is a bad guy Superman didn't deliberately kill anyone though except that guy whose neck he brutally snaps like well, a twig well Nick what else are you gonna do he's General Zod you gotta kill him at some oh, point oh you gotta right? kill him uh, you could I mean you know like he could have you know just like I don't know just told those people to like I don't know move another 10 feet but not, snap his neck he's fine <laughs> anyway so uh the human I'm okay finds Dora's actions to be hilarious it's like oh my god you nearly died why did you do that for is it like if she dies you both die too and Dora's like losing a friend hurts more than dying all right Dora what a fucking like it's a very sweet sentiment but you're such a fucking nerd <laughs> And he, but then he goes on to also say, that's the kind of organisms we are, you idiot. Who talks like that? So, uh, the humanoid Mononoke says, weird. The whole point of other people is to be used for your own enjoyment. Toying with them, killing them, stuff like that. And Dora's like, I'll protect them no matter what. Genjiya is still paralyzed and she's really pissed at herself because she's so weak that she can't move. And then the human Amonoke is like, all right, well, you're going to protect them no matter what, right? Well, let's try this again. And he starts getting ready to fire a bunch of beams. But another samurai appears to attack from behind and he has to dodge away and he chops his arm off. Ha! And uh, it's a samurai officer whose name we don't know. And he's here to fight this guy. Samurai officer, that means he's a powerful officer samurai who outranks Kinshio, right? Oh, no. Bah, man, shit's getting serious now. Okay. So, Nick, I, I mentioned before that some people were saying we fucked up. Why is that? Because apparently this series isn't dropping like the rock that we thought it would. I don't want to do say mean? it. I, I don't want to say it. This might be another hit. How? <laughs> Look, it's too, soon to it's too soon to say, but its first couple chapters are ranking pretty well. Got a color page. Things are looking optimistic. Now, in return, Ayashimon, bottom. It's sinking. Now, I'll take it. <laughs> now, that's only once. We'll see what happens. But, you know, I just want to note, in my mind, we were like, hey, this doofy fucking series or whatever, like, we'll just run it until it dies in 19 chapters, which I still think it will. 
I, I'm I'm fairly confident this is this is more editorial trying to push for something than actually people catching on. Because I've yet to see somebody be like, oh, I fucking loved Aurora. I love a fucking dude and animal thing. Um, but <laughs> maybe <laughs> Oh my god, remember these characters' names? Uh, but it is like seven times in this chip. <laughs> but we shall see. We shall see. Oh my god, that got me so bad. And I gotta write something down so that I don't forget it in a little bit. But all right, guys. Well, um, here it is. Uh, happened a little bit quicker than I thought it would, but I guess we knew it was coming, especially after the last chapter. It's Magu-chan, Got a Destruction, Chapter 77, Final Chapter. Oh. He was dreaming. Yeah, it's the end of the series. This is the final chapter. And, uh, well, uh. So, Nick, I, I, I want to note, last, I, I posted a tweet about this, but I, I want to reiterate Last week we were talking like, oh, like there's going to be one last chapter of Manga Chan. And I was jokingly thinking in my head, like, man, wouldn't it be like dark if the next chapter was all about like Ruru getting old and dying and Magu just being left all alone? And I was like, that's like a weird energy to leave it on. Like, this has been just like a pretty sweet emotional series. Like, it's not going to do something like <laughs> existentially dark as that. And then that's the whole goddamn chapter. <laughs> oh, most of the chapter. So. But all right, let's just, so let's let's just go through this. So uh, we start off the chapter with Ruru just going to school with with Magu, and uh, she you know she's riding her bike uh, with 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 Niputaku, and she meets up with uh, rather rather she's riding her bike with Magu, and she meets up with Ren, who's got Niputaku in his bike the same way, and they ride to school together. And we got the narration that says that in a quiet rural town somewhere, in this land where the whims of evil gods hold influence, the god of destruction continued to watch over a girl for the sake of granting her wish. As their mundane daily lives went on, the whole gang graduated, went to high school, and started down new paths. The seeds of distress that infested the town were eradicated. And as the two took to destroying the worries of others, they met countless people. And we get, you know, brief collage of just, you know, everyone doing kind of like just normal stuff. They like bring forward like their ideas for making a new club. And Ruse is like the worry destroying club. And Magus is destruct club. Yes. <laughs> um, they do some like, you know, cleaning up stuff. We see that the, the book of best friends slash the book of blood disciples, blood oaths book. Um, we get this very brief little note that there were challenges on the way, like the chaos cults, agents of mayhem, and also fights with new superior beings. And there is like, I want to know about scruffy Scottish dog monster. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like, just talk like this. (laughs) Magu-chan, your gracious opponent to Strider (laughs) arrived. I'm going to sniff my butthole now. <laughs> like, oh, he's a dog, but he's like a little Scottish gentleman too. Yeah. Bip bip. Oh boy. More time goes on. I had many great adventures with Magu-chan. <laughs> That's right. He did. Some would say we were best friends, although 
We started as mortal enemies, but that is what they say, right? Enemies also, to also, he got his peanuts. <laughs> he got his peanuts. Let's, let's not leave that, that out. At first, I thought he said penis. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I hope he did get his penis. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> this thing is great. I can take it everywhere. <laughs> uh. And it turns, as time goes on, we see that it wasn't just one best friend's book that everyone wrote their names in, but several. So they made so many friends together. Like a hundred deeds for Eddie McDowell. That's right. (laughs) And he definitely did all hundred. You got them all. (laughs) We just didn't see the other 70. There were goodbyes. We see Naputukus. He's going to leave friend's family behind and he's going to go and start up his his new mad eatery by himself. He's setting off on his own. But he's also sad because he's leaving his friends behind. Aww. He's going to do real well. Yeah, that's he's great. Gonna, he's going to do great. Well, he is. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Uh, and then we cut forward uh, presumably a lot to because things just like accelerate here very suddenly it's like and then they graduated from middle school here's their time in high schools uh, now they graduated from high school now they're going to college now rue's getting married that's the next thing she has a kid several kids the kids are old now <laughs> yeah it just goes boom, 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 boom. <laughs> it goes from like now we'll go over the next three years to now we'll go over the next 50 years <laughs> in one go there are a lot of le- nice little details that I really appreciate in this sequence. Uh, first off, that baby is holding Magu's arm. Aww. Uh, but next, uh, Magu is a stand-in for Ruru's father to walk her down the aisle. Isn't that fucking adorable? And another detail that I do actually really appreciate is that we don't ever get a really good look at Ruru's husband. It looks like it definitely could be Ren because he's got the same hairstyle as Ren. But Ren's hairstyle is really generic. So it's one of those things where it's like, it could be Ren. Maybe not. I will note that from what I understand, and by what I understand, uh, it's what Kirby Mon says in our Discord, there's going to be another chapter in like Jump Giga or something like that that's Hmm. supposedly about Ren. So... Maybe that will go to either confirm that that is Ren or maybe he just dies and that's a different dude or something like that. I don't know. Like he was just like, eh, fuck it. I'm going to be a rock star in in Canada or some shit like that. We'd never see him again. Yeah. I just really appreciate the note of like, hey, if you really cared about, you know, this relationship, you could assume that it's him. Or if you really didn't think that 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 those two were right for each other, they were better off as friends. You could just believe that, too. I like that. Rue's family grows up. They have their own family. They all have very identical looking children. They all look like they all of Rue's genes got down, passed down to these kids. And once again, she was alone. The God of Destruction continued to watch over her. He never stopped. We cut to Rue's on her deathbed now. There's so many best friend books that have been filled up by all the friends that they've made. And Magu is still watching over Ruru while she's on her deathbed. And she says, can you hear me, my disciple? The sunset was glorious this evening. The stars in the sky shined exceptionally. And Ruru just says, Magu-chan, thank you for destroying my loneliness. And she takes her, his little tentacle in her hand and she says, you made my dream come true. And there's a beat 
And then Magu says, wait, please don't go yet. She peacefully fell asleep and breathed her last breath. While her family grieved her passing, the God of Destruction disappeared without a word. We turn the page, and Magu's just got this one big tear dripping down his eye. He's so sad that his disciple's gone. And then the fucking holy knights show up, and they're like, we're going to put you in this gem. <laughs> they're like, sucks, bitch. Sucks she's dead. Now get back in these gems. Uh, they make a big thing because Anira says, like, well, you know, Ruru was the only one restraining you, so you could be a threat to humanity. But Izuma is clearly also really upset about this. It's clearly him. Like, and he's all old and stuff, and he's now the leader of the Holy Knights. And he's got a ceiling gem, and he's like, look, I've got no choice. You know, let, let us seal you away. Looks like uh, Noshukoshu was also next to him. Yes. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, but Magu just says, a fight will not be necessary. I have grown a little weary. I think I'll rest for a while. Muscar is there too. Uh, and, uh, he says nothing. <laughs> so Magu just says, take my seal to the depths of the ocean where the light cannot reach. And Nosukoshu gives Magu a little parting gift, putting Magu to sleep and saying, sweetest dreams to you but then Unera seals Magu away and Magu is left by himself in a ceiling gym sinking into the bottom of the ocean to think by himself I was not awake for even a hundred years yet my days had never been so busy none of it went as I'd wanted and yet it was not so bad I will dream a dream of the simple days I spent with you over and over again. And then Ruru appears inside his dream and is cuddling him. And she says, this might be the first time I've ever seen you sleep, Magu-chan. I'll wake you up for once. And Magu, of course, is ecstatic. I thought you were dead. But Ruru says, well, I'm no ghost. You were crying because I died, weren't you? I always knew you had a soft side. Uh, Magu demands to know if he is, in fact, dreaming. But Ruru says, who knows? Maybe the reason why I'm here is because you watched over me with that big eye of yours and never forgot me. I'll always be with you. That way, you won't be lonely anymore. And Magu realizes, this is no dream. Deep in the recesses of my destructive eye, you do indeed still exist. And then Ruru takes Magu's tentacle hand and leads him out of the seal and says, let's go for a walk. As in the real world, the sealing gem washes up on a beach and is discovered by someone and it breaks. And who should be there to greet Magu but someone suspiciously identical looking to Ruru, whose name is Ruri, because everyone in this family is very inventive when it comes to naming their children. And she greets Magu as Magu-chan because again she can't say his full name and she says I live in the middle of nowhere and don't have many friends do you want to play with me and Magu says you wish something of me very well 
Then grant me offerings, you foolish, lowly human. And the chapter ends with Magu being held by his new disciple on the beach. Yeah, good for you. By the way, in the middle of nowhere, apparently has an eatery called um, <laughs> the Mad. <laughs> what is it again specifically? It's the Mad Eatery. Uh, it's in the permanent residence. You didn't catch that? Uh, no. <laughs> this so chapter. The food got his own, got his own place. <laughs> this chapter didn't really make me cry. <laughs> But the notion that the Putaku is like a world-renowned chef might get me. I'm so fucking happy for him. He did it. Oh. Oh. So first off, yes, Naputaku apparently got to live his dream, and he was successful in just the way he wanted to be. Perfect ending. Doesn't matter anything else that happened. Yeah. Meteorite. Secondly, crushed everyone else. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Secondly. This ending didn't like emotionally get me. Like I read, I didn't read this. And I, was like, I I got I read this chapter rather, and I just felt and I just felt like, yeah, that feels fucking right. Yeah. And I it it and it was so satisfying because it wasn't the way I felt the series would end, but when it ended this way, I thought this is the way that it always should have ended. It feels like, um, it's interesting. Like this, this really made me think a lot about like, you know, because we didn't really touch a whole lot on this theme of like, you know, what you what to get out of life and stuff, except in very brief moments with the series, we get a little bit more serious, but then it really did start to come up with the introduction of, uh, Susu. And when that happened and when Rue kind of laid out, this is what I want from life. You got this feeling like, okay, yeah, this kid's got to figure it out. And then, of course, you know, when she dies, you can tell like, yeah, she had this life that she wanted and she had Magu watching over her for all of it. She was happy. But because the chaos gods are basically. Timeless beings who don't grow up, Magu is still kind of this little kid who doesn't really understand that still. And it's not until he has this epiphany inside the ceiling gym that he learns it. It's, it's like a kid learning about death basically. And then to have it end on this optimistic note of, okay, Magu will help me can make new friends. Even after this, things will be happy for him again. It's really, really nice. And I really do appreciate the notion that Magu has learned, which is, even though Rue has died, she's still with him. And I think that's the only thing you can really, you know, take from when you're facing the inevitability that, you know, people around you are going to die one day is that, yeah, but if you are close to them, then part of them will be with you forever. And that's all you can really have. So. It was a really good chapter. Like <laughs> I <laughs> I feel like I have to do a joke or something. Um, no, a lot of people had a lot of understandably very emotional reactions to this chapter. I am with you where I did not quite have 
the same emotional reaction, but part of that is dysphoria. I feel like uh, crying is a very difficult thing for me to do. So there's part of me, I think that's a little frustrated because this chapter, I feel like should have gotten me there, but it, it didn't. So it's a part of me that's a little bit annoyed by that, but I think you, you kind of said it exactly where you're like, this is like the perfect way to end this series. Like it just, Every part of it feels right. And uh, I know a lot of people in our chat are saying it. Uh, I imagine hopefully it'll also be a voice to some of the people who are saying it, who are listening outside of this. Uh, but you absolutely killed it. Just narrating Mogu's parts in it of oh, this, this thank you. wary God who is is so, de- you know, so defeated after uh, the death of essentially his world. Um, it's a very, very beautiful yeah. story. His, his best friend, his mother daughter like they yeah. they were family like yeah and i love the little teases for like hey here's what maybe could have happened if this series had went yeah. longer here's this different design here's you know things that could have happened between all of them um, i strongly suspect that the series was ended before the initial plan runtime uh was going to have because not just you know the little tease of like oh here's you know another thing that could have happened uh, like the introduction of like another, you know, superior being in this little collage, but uh, also like just certain things that like, you know, were kind of like just introduced and then never really came up again. Like um, like Sarah, it's like she she gets introduced and then the series almost immediately ends before she gets to do anything else. Uh, or like, you know, there was the whole thing with like uh, I imagine the there was... Muscar's relationship with the human that yeah, whose never... form that he took. We never got that entire. But there was definitely, I think, intended to be. I don't know how much longer the series had planned to run, but I I feel like a Muscar backstory was definitely intended to be part of the story at some point. Maybe more about the Holy Knights, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that the series uh, left a big impression. Uh, the mangaka for me and Roboco and Yabuki both posted up like images of like them crying Aww. or like like one is fucking roboco reading the chapter crying as magu sits on her head doing the hand thing, and i was like that honestly got me more emotional than the chapter did because i was like they're like saying goodbye they started at the same time um, but it, it it's definitely i think um a series that is special and one that i feel like I can recommend to so many people. I, I, I will say this. I've had a lot of people who are outside of manga uh, read series. Uh, and almost every person I talked to said they love Magu-chan. Like, oh, Magu's great. Yeah. I, I, I had somebody who doesn't read manga at all. She got into it specifically because she just wanted to connect with me. And she was like, I want to read all these series. And I was like, what'd you think of them? She's like, I like Magu-chan <laughs> as her clear way of saying the rest of this is too weird for me. But Magu-chan is great. Yeah, it's um I do wish we'd gotten a little bit more of Magu-chan because I it was very very consistently just, you know, a nice change of pace. It was different from everything else that we covered, but it was almost always fun and good. Uh and as much as, you know, we harp on it's like, well, Unerosum ruined the chapter and stuff, it was just nice to have it be part of our regular routine. And I'm going to miss it. And um, I know that there's like a whole bunch of you know, stuff like people hoping that, oh, maybe you know it can be adapted into an anime. 
but for what we got, I'm very, very happy with it. Um, so yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Let's talk about the big series this week. Yeah. Well, we got to talk about a series that uh, apparently didn't end in 19 chapters because (laughs) this isn't the final one. (laughs) It's a PPPPPP. So, uh, Wait, what's what's your your Okay, so uh, as uh, as we have been doing since while we've been covering <laughs> uh is uh, I have a, a a wrestling quiz for Chris with the with an alliterative an alliterative clue. 6 P's. Funakai. No. Damn. Of <laughs> Oh, this, give. this is like my wordle. Every week I start with Budokai and then I, I try to go from there. Uh, will be the wrestler or wrestling act. Okay, here we go. I I'm very proud of this one, but I might need to like like send you how it's actually written out. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> I'm Perry. Prehistoric pareja. Primary peep. Oh, it's Christian. Ah, uh, you're one third right. <gasps> Here, let me wait, let me send on. it to you. Is it the brood? No, let me send it to okay. you. Okay. Look at Pri- look at the okay, clue. Okay. Prius. Oh, it's it's uh, Jurassic Express. There you go. Yeah. So this one, I I actually split up the clues by the semicolons. There you so go. each one okay, refers okay. to a different member. Okay, I got it. I like that. I like yeah. that one a lot. Go one for the, the AEW. I so, think that's my favorite way of describing AEW to people is like, oh, no, it's like a wrestling dinosaur. <laughs> He's like a champion right now. People yeah. love him. He's partners with Luke Perry's son, yeah. uh, <laughs> who is a Tarzan guy. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know. Uh, all right. So it's chapter proper 19, the dreaded beginning. Uh, so I don't remember anything that happens in this chapter. <laughs> Uh, I remember this one being a little frustrating because like a hundred characters talk and do random things. And I was like, as I read it, I was like, Nick doesn't like this chapter. <laughs> Mimin talks briefly to Furiosa, I think is her name. Yeah. Fur- Furiosa talks to her. So, <laughs> um, but then she just like says like, oh, you got cute pigtails and just kind of like goes boing, boing with her pigtails. Don't do that to people. Uh, and then just walks past her yeah, and then runs away and goes yay <laughs> that's it uh her bodyguard slash caretakers also coming through the window that she came in through and that's, they're like that's my favorite part is they all enter through the window and they're like <laughs> hello nice to see you hi excuse me she goes down the corridor uh she's looking for for miloli and she runs into dada sensei and she's like oh my god who's this guy he's bald and he's like i'm not bald yeah, you are. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Maybe he's like, I shaved. It's different. Ah, see, it's uh, I've got I shaved, but there's this little area in the back of my head. Yeah, yeah, Homer sorry. Simpson is a bald neck. He has three hairs. <laughs> and then like a, like a thing that's around the, the side. Right. Um. So later on, she's chilling out, uh, eating a bunch of uh, uh, rice balls and uh Lucky comes in with um, Otaku guy. Anyway, and she's like, where's Maloli? I want to ask her something. 
Uh, and then she's like, what do you mean she went out for a bit? I'm just like, okay, I'll wait here. And her caretakers are like, no, you've got a schedule you got to keep to. And she's like, what? Boo. <laughs> By the way, for the people who aren't reading PPP, Nick is handling only like one fifth of how random and annoying Mamin is in oh, yeah. this moment. She literally walks down the hallway, goes, hmm, slams open a door, goes, ah, who are you? <laughs> then hard cut. And she's just eating like fucking seven cookies. She's fucking downing them. I guess they could be cookie. Yeah, the texture of them is they they look like rice balls because of the black patch, but those have got to be like cookies, I guess, because yeah. they're like flat. Anyway, uh, then she just like out of nowhere <laughs> says, "Lucky coasters." <laughs> <laughs> These cookies taste. Weird. These cookies taste like shit. <laughs> those are coasters. <laughs> and then she gets up and run, break, like, jumps out the window. And none of that scene is out of character for me. And I want you to know, you can't put it under most like WMR created character. That's a hundred percent what yep. she would do. <laughs> Uh, then as she is want to do, she says that something out of nowhere, which is, Hey, lucky. I went to see my mom. I didn't know she was in the hospital. Why didn't you tell me? Why don't she get better? And lucky is just kind of like, uh, before I w- had seen Mimin at the electronics store, I had spoke with Ray Giros because this is the perfect time to have a flashback. You know, is when you've just been asked a question, you've got to answer it. Yeah. So, Ray Jiro, he's on the phone with him. He's like, hey, do you think I should tell the others about mom? Because I want to tell them that she wants to see them. So could you give me everyone's phone number? And Ray Jiro says, well, if we tell them, Don would come if he doesn't have any piano work, I think. Also, Don's appearance, one billion percent is modeled after Beethoven with the hair. Uh, that is, if you remember. And uh, Sora Chica would come, without question. But... Uh, Fanta and Sikato might not come. And we just get a shot of, I guess, Fanta, who is surrounded by women. And he's just like, I hate that woman who abandoned me. And it didn't give me mom issues at all. Right, girls? <laughs> yeah, right, ladies. <laughs> Let me put my head between your breasts. <laughs> uh, and then we just get a shot of Sikato from behind as they're doing their hair and they say, we don't have anything to do with them. Right. Uh, and then we get a shot of Mimin and Rajra says, yeah, Mimin would go, but she'd cause a ruckus in the end. They'll find out I've been touched with you. And then dad will figure out what happened in Japan. He's always billed us as the Otogami six tuplets. So dad would never let you take part in the piano world. He'd quickly crush and expel you with his keyboard irises. <laughs> This guy loves piano too much. Okay. I, I almost wish that in the background to fully establish his character, there was a picture of him slapping one of his kids or something <laughs> like that. Which just really show that this man has two things he enjoys in life is being a bad father and pianos. <laughs> he just has like a framed picture, a framed family portrait where he is just slapping all of the kids at once. <laughs> That's their Christmas photo. All the kids like at to the side. It's just him like, yes. <laughs> uh, Rachel offers to talk to Sora Chica and see if they can work something out. But then apologize and says, I wish I was stronger. But Lucky says, no, I'm the same as you. I can't do much either. 
So, but they like, yeah, that's right. I need to win, not just to stop me in. I need to win to become stronger because this is a shonen series and these kinds of sentiments are universal to shonen series even when they don't make sense in in universe context of I need to get stronger by playing piano good which will bring my family to, I don't know I don't know it's weird but lucky just says in response in the present to Mimin's question we'll talk more after the competition so don't talk to dad about me and mom yet okay Although he is upset about this. Without strength, we can't be together like we used to be. Or you could just, I don't know, get a good lawyer who will, like, I don't know. I don't know how child abuse cases work in Japan, so maybe that's not going to. Is it just related to Japan? His name is Lucky. I think. I don't know. Family themselves live outside of Japan. I don't know. Uh, Mimin's just like, eh, okay. Uh, and then Furiosa comes in and, uh, she thinks to herself, well, that's Mimin, but she must be different from before, right? That's what I thought at the beginning of summer. And then summer came to an end. Or Lucky is thinking that. I don't know. It looks like she's thinking it because she's the perspective character we focus on and stuff. <sighs> I thought she had changed, but I learned the hard way that wasn't the case at all. Uh, it's time for uh, the music uh, tournament conquers thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, um, Maloli uh, is there, and she observes that Mimin Otogami's free spiritedness has gotten worse. I'm looking forward to it. Her carefree ways are gonna kill her. I really expected the way that this chapter was going to end was like above her, you'd see a piano was falling and about to crush her. <laughs> like that's what like they went literally. She doesn't pay enough attention and she's just going to get killed by like a situational hazard, essentially. So I don't even know how Maloli's uh, reached this conclusion. Is it that because Mimin's not there at this time and everyone else is? Because Furusu's playing the piano while she's everyone's thinking this. So. I think the idea being that maybe she's not putting as much work in or something like that. I don't know. I guess we'll we'll see next chapter. But there's definitely like a curious conclusion to draw from that. It's odd. Anyway, that's the chapter. All right. We really got to pick up the pace, which is a shame because this is a pretty huge chapter. Oh, Dr. Stone. Oh, Dr. Stone. Time to get stoned. Uh, Z equals 228. Life stone. Uh, they found out who Y-Man is. Nick. It's it's Koseki. No, it's not. Oh, um, I didn't read the chapter. Who is it? Who other? What other human character could it be? Uh, well, there's the problem. Uh, it's, uh, oh, it's actually. It's an artificial. It's like a robot person. Like it's robot. Sen- it's robot Senku from that. That side manga, right? No. Oh. Um, uh, is it that gun in space of Toriko? <laughs> kind of. It's <laughs> it's the Medusas, the petrification devices. It's just a bunch of them. And uh, amongst this huge horde of them, there's like, oh, well, there's there's one there that I tossed to the Medusa we brought from Earth. It's, it's just floating there. 
and they realize like, wait, it's mimicking my voice, right? So the only ones who could have tried to screw us over with that false information were you guys. And Senku says, I know you can talk using radio waves. And the Medusa device inside the capsule goes and then says, yes. And everyone realized like, oh, the Medusas, the devices are the machine life forms that form Y-Man. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, sorry. Duran, Duran. Uh, and then the, the capsule Medusa device says, happens. do you want to die? So. Sorry, the capsule Medusa device says, do you want to die? And they're like, huh? And they they all kind of realize like, oh, there's it's like repeating itself. It's said this stuff before. And then Chrome starts to go, hang on. Maybe the Medusas aren't trying to destroy us. Maybe they're trying to petrify us all so we won't have to die. And uh, Gan starts to get an idea. And uh, well, he's he's on Earth and he pulls like a, a present out of his sleeves and he says, so I don't know whether these guys are capable of being honest with us, but it, this is a negotiation. So we should offer them a gift. Uh, but of course, they didn't bring anything that could be conceived of as a gift. So Senku has got to think about this stuff. And he's like, what? Well, they OK, they must there, there have to be rules to the way these things operate. So they're alive, which means that they consider living and surviving to be very important. And so he starts to address the Medusa devices, Y-Man, and says, with the level of science we're at now, we can't create more of you. However, we can replenish your life force by providing new diamond batteries. Uh, and then they're like, OK, yeah, but uh, so that's our gift. But, but we request something from you in return. Quit firing off the petrification beams all the time. He's trying to put her into a stone. And the capsule no device says. No deal. Beep boop. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> it says, why? Uh, and there is a click uh, from one of the devices. And um, they start. Stanley starts to react. But they say, stop that. For moments, be still. And they realize, oh, the Y Man's not a single entity. It's actually a bunch of these things interacting with each other. It's not a monolith. So Senku's like, okay, uh, I don't really know how this works, but I'm thinking that you guys have to have maintenance done on you. And the petrification beam serves that purpose. And on Earth, Zeno has like an oh my god, yes. The Medusa devices offer everlasting life and Dangle that reward before intelligent species to spur it to better itself and march toward progress. They're actually mechanical parasites. What truly elegant organisms. And one of the devices says, yes, accurate, that is. Why do they now, talk like Yoda? <laughs> comprehensive Correct communication. that is. Ooh, I'm weird talking because I'm a... Parasites producer. we are. Very Ooh. studious you appear to be. Comprehensive communication of information about turning you to stone several millennia prior will be divulged. All right. So 
It's a very nice sci-fi idea that I don't think actually had any build-up to it whatsoever. I, I could have missed something at some point. I would disagree to a certain extent, because this chapter did make me put a lot more into context that rather significantly pushed upon notion of like, oh, hey, because we have the Medusas, we essentially have immortality. Like, none of us right. can die anymore. We'll just keep everybody alive. And that seems to be kind of a central thesis of what these things are actually talking about. That question we like, it does make me sit back and the initial question of like, do you want to die being initially phrased? And it's like, oh, there's kind of a new context to that question now. Right. It's, uh, I feel like we need to know more in the next chapter for this explanation. Personally, I feel as though like, okay, so if these things were trying to produce to push humanity to better themselves so that they could, you know, create uh, a fuel source for them with diamonds and stuff. Um, then why did they petrophile of humanity so that they couldn't do anything? I definitely do have questions like that. I'm assuming the next chapter is going to be there to reveal and, and try to answer some of those questions. It's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, I, it seems like, okay, I need to know more from this. This is an interesting idea. I would have liked to have seen like, for example, like if they honed in on uh, an explanation of like a parasitic relationship at a prior point in the series, just so that you could draw the, the parallel even later on. It's just kind of there's some aspects of this that seem like they've come been introduced rather suddenly, in my opinion. So. Yeah, totally understand that. All Speaking right, of suddenly. Yeah, let's uh, let's mash our way through Mashal Magic and Muscles. Mash Burn Dead and the God of Water, Chapter 95. Thirds, it's the ultimate magic. Surprise. Uh, Domina has thirds magic. So he activates Water's thirds, Poseidon's Angus inclination. And I do like that Mash just says, what now? <laughs> what uh, are we talking about? He's too strong. This spell has literally turned Domina himself into water. He can become water itself. There's no way to compete with this level of power. Mash is trying. And there's also a gimmick that if you attack Ma or Domina, it will do nothing and will slowly incur the wrath of Poseidon himself. And there's a little crown with markers that goes up if you try to attack Domina. And... Oh, you can't even hurt Poseidon either. So it's not like the previous uh, with like Capaccio Luyang, where it's like, I'll just break the statue. You can't do that. And now Poseidon's wrath is going to happen. It's a big, super tall laser beam. Haha, -ha, Mash is done for. Uh, but then Mash punches him a bunch. We don't see exactly what happens, but Domina feels like he got punched a bunch. Uh, and he's like, what was that sudden shift? And Mash slowly gets out of the water and says, Pops told me never to do this, but seems like I don't got a choice. Time to release my full power. I don't and know he's why. doing something with something on his wrist that goes click. So. Yeah. I only do that because I just like the way he's just like, Pops. Pops. Yep. Had to run through the chapter very quickly. It's actually a pretty sweet chapter, but uh, we are rather low on time. And uh, felt like we could cut some, cut some corners there. The Elusive Samurai! Chapter 49, Extraordinary, 1335. They've got to get through a checkpoint, which is going to be really, really bad because, of course, they're traveling with Hisue, who's just got, you know, his identity that can be easily read from his face. Uh, so uh, they're going to go through a town that they pass through, uh, get some food and stuff. Um, uh, 
everyone's kind of excited to be kind of touristy, but Shizuku brings up that they don't have a whole lot of spending money on them, uh, except Genda does. He's got so much money because he just kind of twisted Yorishige's arm until uh, he got it big because he was like, yeah, I gave you that information about the Tengu. Give me some money. Uh, Fubuki's like, let me some money because I want to eat. I want to eat food, please. Let me have money. Um, and everyone's just kind of like, he doesn't owe you anything. And even Tokyuki's like, it's your own fault. You ate everything already. So, uh, Genba gets some food for himself and then eats it. And then he's like, I love living it up while others go without because he's kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> um, they, uh, no, make a note of like Fubuki is missing. It's because he's gone up into the bamboo woods by himself to to train, and he's really worked up because he's so hungry and he's just like really mad. Um, and uh, Genba wa- watches all this and he's like, "Man, he he looks like he's starving, even though he's only missed one meal. I bet he's hiding even greater ability." So he snatches some fruit from Tokiyuki and then offers it to Fubuki, uh, who digs in immediately, and Genba says. Thank me by teaching me. The Tengu said my skill was just a trick and I was no match for him. What do you think is the difference between me and him? And Fubuki admits, well, I mean, I don't really know anything about Shinobi's skills, but they should display immense power or they won't seem extraordinary. Your specialty is making mischief that slows down the enemy, but that won't work on a battlefield where everyone is willing to die. You have to convey the feeling of if I wanted to kill you, I could for your enemies to take you seriously. So Gim has slightly realized like, okay, so if I develop a lethal technique, it'll make my bluffing more effective. Makes sense. Uh, so then they bring up the point of like, uh, how are we going to get everyone past the checkpoint though with Yasuya and stuff? Uh, but Tokiki says, I've got faith in my uncle. He's pretty extraordinary too. He's so extraordinary that it overcomes whatever his face may reveal. Uh, and uh, then we go to the next page and Yasuya just um, is bawling his eyes out snots flooding out of his nose he's like please you gotta list through oh my god please and he's just so pathetic that it completely overwhelms the the idea that oh he's part of the hojo it's it's just he suddenly becomes much less readable because he's so convincingly pathetic looking mm. and so i was they the, the guards just like oh my god just go just just just, just go just please leave us alone uh and uh, so by lowering himself, Yasuye is able to get everyone uh, past this point. And this is portrayed as, you know, an honorable thing. Like he pretended to do all sorts of awful stuff uh, that was you know, dishonorable, uh, all in order to serve the house. And so he was very underhanded, but he did stuff for a good cause. And hey, isn't that nice? Um. Genba is like, okay, so those two, you know, survive and thrive in crisis. I wonder if that's what Fubuki meant by extraordinary. I need to develop something extraordinary myself to dumbfound that rotten Tenku. And uh, they all ride off together. Hurrah. Yes. Also, also, there's a note that Genba is like playing with his face and his mask a couple of times in this. It doesn't seem to lead to anything directly here. But I think that that might be setting up whatever his extraordinary ability will be later. So. Yeah, I like how they keep playing with the idea that there doesn't actually appear to be like a real mask, like playing with yeah. the illusion of it, so to speak. Pretty cool. Uh, all right. Black Clover, page 322. The vice captain of the Black Bulls 
So Asta has barely managed to get up. Uh, Leashed is there, Nature Boy Ric Flair, and it's just like, hey, we need your fucking magic, but like, dude, you're you're dying. You can barely stand. So we're going to have to do this together. Uh, Yuno and Mary Leona are trying to do the best they can. Uh, Lucifero calls out Adramelch, uh, which is apparently the other demon's name, who's basically like, hey, you fight these two, like distract them. And uh, a drum elch or whatever is just like, nah, uh, it's kind of more fun watching you do this. Nah. <laughs> uh, Mary Leona's body is breaking apart. You know, seems to have also hit his limit. Uh, Nature Boy Ric Flair activates one of his forms, creates an opening. Asta's going to go in. Uh, Nature Boy Ric Flair is thinking, yep, this is going to be in exchange for my life. Uh, I'll stop, but it's pointless. Lucifero stops it. Uh, is about to strike down Asta, but uh, Nature Boy Ric Flair leaps in the way, and he's like, ah, so this is my limit, huh? I'm on my way to meet you now, Morgan, to apologize. And then there's a pause, and you hear, Way, finally meet up again, you pull this? Don't you go dare dying on me, Vice Captain. And Yami is up, and he has made a sword, presumably out of the World Tree magic, or something like that, because... Asta has his sword, but he has something else resembling it. It looks kind of twig-like. Yep. Yep. Hey, Yami's here to save the day. That's kind of cool. We haven't gotten Yami in a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like a deserved big appearance to be the savior kind of point. Especially after, you know, everyone out of their way to save him, he gets to return the paper in the form. One Piece! Chapter 1039. Top billing. So... Uh, is a two-page spread of people exploring the jungle. Isn't that nice? Uh, so we start off with Momonosuke. He is above Wano, and he's successfully managing to get Onigashima going backwards. So, hey, making progress. Gonna keep it from falling on the city. Good. Inside the dome, Big Mom's been knocked on her ass by that giant bull charge thing that Kid did. Uh, and everyone's like, oh my god, Big Mom's down. Yeah. Uh, no, she's, she's, she's still up. Uh, it's, uh, they gotta keep on fighting her. Uh, Law and Kid get into a bit of an argument, uh, over who, I guess, um, gets credit for what and who gets to order people around and stuff like that. Yeah. So, oh, Law, Law is being a little kid basically about this. Cause he's like, Hey, you did your attack after mine. And that makes me feel, makes it like you actually get a, get the credit for the kill. And kid's like, who, who cares? Oh my God, we are going to die. <laughs> um, so then big mom gets up, her arm is busted, but then, uh, she just, you know, holds up her arm and just injects life back into her bones. Uh, and uh, she's actually just using her abilities on herself. And like, I guess parts of her body are now have souls in them and are speaking. So, yeah. Uh, she gets out Napoleon and combines Napoleon with Prometheus to make a huge blazer sword slash thing and just cuts apart kids bull in one blow. And kid, of course, is just like, who cares? It's scrap metal. I don't care. Uh, and he, Big Mom says, hey, listen up, brats. We've sunk hundreds of people just like you into the sea. We've been reigning as emperors for decades since the days before you were weaned off your mother's milk. Kid jumps from the top of his bowl and assigns magnetism to Big Mom's head and then to the wall. 
And so she collides with the with the wall. And then kid gets set to just charge her with the bull again. And instead, Big Mom just wrenches the wall around with her strength and blocks it, using it as like a shield. And kid's like, this is bullshit. Hacks. Uh she calls upon Hera and does a thing. I don't really know how to describe it other than a big attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, Law does some switchy, changey stuff so that a big piece of rubble falls on her head. And then he makes his sword get longer and stabs down through Big Mom and then through the floor and through the armory where Yamato is and then through the bottom of Onigashima and it goes all the way down into the ocean and then keeps on going down into the bottom of the ocean. Okay. And then he declares puncture vil and it sends out like a drill pattern shockwave through the sword going all the way down and makes a big hole below them that goes all the way down. And uh, she, so Big Mom tries to get. <laughs> this is exactly the, the way you had to try to decipher this chapter. And then Kid turns all of the scrap metal into a big ass gun and shoots Big Mom. Who at this point is like, oh, fine. You think you can beat me? I'm Big Mom. Uh, and Kid shoots her with a massive cannon. And she starts to, I guess, fall. As Law declares, your era is over. And that's the end of the chapter. Yeah. Um, I have very little. Like, I know I've kind of always had very little idea what it happens when Law uses his powers. Uh, but this chapter in particular, I don't know what happened. I'm sorry. I'm a dumb person. I don't know what he did. He did something. He did something. And I guess it helped beat Big Mom. I feel like, if anything, this fight has allowed me to kind of get Kid a lot better. Because it's just like, yeah, he makes big guns and bulls. Just stuff. He just just makes stuff out of metal. smashes metal together and hits people with it. It's cool. Yeah. Whereas with Law, it's like, what did he do? I don't get it. (laughs) Yeah. It was a fight scene. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's move on. We're done. Yeah. We're done now. Let's, let's wrap this up. Uh, MVPs. MVPs. Are, my favorite chapter was Magachan God Destruction. I mean, okay. it's just good. It was good. It was a very good ending uh, to the series. It made me sad that there's not more, but it also made me feel very content inside. I felt like a more whole person after reading it. Yeah. Um... Of mind to Dr. Stone. Hmm. Okay. My MVP is it's gonna be weird, but honestly, I kind of feel like I grok with this guy. I'm gonna give mine to the humanoid Monona Cave from Doron Doron because he's just a big piece of shit. It's it's not a bad <laughs> pick, to be completely honest. It is it is a pretty cool one. Uh, hopefully we'll learn his name and we'll, we'll get to add that in there. Uh, I guess I'm going to go with 
the Putaku because it's probably gonna be the last time I can give it to him. But I'm happy he got to open his restaurants all his across restaurant. the world. Yeah, or at least in town, he got a permanent yeah. restaurant. But get open his eatery. Yay. Yeah. And uh, it was a pretty clean sweep for Magu uh, Magu Chan from the audience, uh, winning both uh, MVP and uh, uh, series of the week. Uh, not a, not a, not a perfect, as there's always one or two people willing to be uh, shitting the, the the soup. That's not a phrase, but I'm really tired and I can't think of that okay. colloquialism. Uh, but good stuff. A lot of people really really enjoyed Magu Chan Nit shows. Yeah. All right, that's uh, gonna do it, everyone. Thank you all for joining us uh, for weekly manga recap. We record the show here on Twitch.tv/slash RoloT Wednesday evenings, usually starting around seven thirty Eastern time. To stay updated on when exactly the show is going live, you can follow us on Twitter at our Podcast at RoloT at Nick F Time, and uh, we will send out a tweet letting you know when the show is going live. As well, it gets posted in the Discord channel where you can also participate in discussions regarding the series when the new chapters are getting released, as well as the recommendation that we're currently working on. There's a chapter for that. And there's also bi-weekly game nights. Lots of great stuff going on there. You can also use that to find the Google Doc maintained by Ninja X3i, which keeps track of all sorts of helpful information about the series, series that we've covered, series that are currently being recommended that you can add your vote to, stuff like that. Uh, we want to thank everyone who supports us on Patreon, patreon.com slash weekly manga recap where you can get stuff like the monthly other recap and other bonus discussions that we have that we'd like to record for you guys and we want to thank everyone who helps to uh make the show what it is including steve man who does title cards for some of our recommendations check out the very that one one that he one had to be censored it had to be (laughs) look not by my choice youtube wouldn't allow it all right these things happen (laughs) too spicy for youtube uh check out his artwork wherever boobs are allowed are allowed to be drawn yeah, on the sometimes internet, they won't uh, sometimes they won't do it on youtube twitter.com slash art uh and uh, we also want to thank of course ninja x3i for maintaining that aforementioned spreadsheet and Wizzy dell cheddar and milo jack stills for creating the opening sequence that you can see on the video versions of weekly manga recap those are on youtube.com slash weekly manga recap you can also check out audio versions of the show wherever podcasts can be found itunes uh spotify uh, uh podbean all sorts of places yeah uh, uh, um Rhapsody. Um. <laughs> yeah, LimeWire. <laughs> uh, Friendster. You can find it everywhere. <laughs> Download.podcast.websites. Yeah. AOL.com. You can find it on the front page. Keyword. Angel manga. Fire. Yeah. Our GeoCities page is still running strong. <laughs> Check out our Zanga Live blog. Oh man, if there's anyone if there's anyone listening to this who's under twenty, they're gonna be like, "What the fuck are you guys talking about?" I'm sure, they realized we were just old shitheads for a long time now. <laughs> That's it. Thanks everyone for joining us. We should be back to talk about uh, "Love Me as I Am" uh, next week. So. Yep. Have a good one, everybody.